Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound Star Wars Speculation Podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. In this episode, we have so much big news to cover. I'm talking about news well beyond the scope of anything we thought we could conceivably talk about here in terms of Lucasfilm and, you know, Star Wars at large. There's all kinds of crazy stuff we didn't expect to be saying in this episode. And that's just on this side of the blast doors. The blast doors are our spoiler-proof containment unit beyond which you should not go if you don't want spoilers for something. But we have quite a bit that we can talk about safely in front of those blast doors. Spoiler-free content all around, and that's where a lot of our big news items are. However, we're going to be reviewing Solo, a Star Wars story, next week when it comes out. And we'll be putting out an episode as soon as possible. But it just so happens we have two Bothan spies who have seen the film... And uh, Matt and I have been privy to some intense information about the content of that movie. We're going to find out if it's true or not. As you might know, here on State of the Empire, uh, in the episode before a film comes out, we typically manage to get an outline for the entire movie by putting together things. We don't know if we've done it or not, but now we, we, <laughs> we can actually straight up confirm it and find out some details about it. So if you are apprehensive about Solo and you want to know all the ins and outs of what you're going to expect, Beyond the blast doors, we're going to dig as deep as our Bothans will let us. In fact, we might even be able to just get their overview for the film in case you're like, is it going to be uh, a steaming bantha turd or what? You know, <laughs> like they'll be able to tell us. They'll tell us that in front of the blast doors. Let's do a little solo. We just got a couple a couple cool notes because there's been, man, there's been plenty of solo stuff that if it was coming out any earlier, we'd be dissecting it ad nauseum in this episode. But there's no need to because we can get all of our questions literally answered on the other side of the blast doors. <laughs> what does it matter? What we do know is this. We know that we mentioned that it was possible that there was a actor pointed out as the person playing Enfys Nest, and that was Lily Newmark. And that is, in fact, true. Enfys Nest is going to be played by a woman named Lily Newmark. Also, USA Today put together a great featurette highlighting the cinematography of Bradford Young on Solo, A Star Wars Story. As you may remember, Bradford's work and his credibility was one of the things that made us think, oh man, maybe this movie isn't a bad idea early on. He signed on with Lord Miller when they were doing the movie. And this featurette, it has a ton of footage we've never seen before and some really cool behind-the-scenes perspectives, including some, um, some talk from Bradford who said, one of the things that struck me was this film had to be natural. It had to be about characters putting their feet on natural surfaces. He talks about camera placement and lighting placement making it feel legitimate and then there's an interview a clip with ron howard who says that visually bradford builds his work from character and story 
which is very exciting. Likewise exciting is, you know, how lived in this movie looks. And come to find out, they, gosh, they built the, on record, most Star Wars costumes ever. Over a thousand. And that's a thousand, not, that presumably a thousand unique designs. Whereas, you know, if you print out a thousand Stormtrooper costumes, it doesn't really, that doesn't count. Right, right. <laughs> Was were, Is it true that a lot of them may have been uh, holdovers from The Last Jedi? Like, uh... They did not say. Mm. I, I would have to... Just s- curious about that. Like, how many were built specifically for Solo versus how many end up being used? Either yeah. way, impressive. Most impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Forces of Destiny, the animated series on the Disney YouTube, largely focusing on female characters in the Star Wars universe, the last wave of them had one fewer than normal. And it turns out there is one last episode... And according to Lucasfilm publicist Tracy Canobio, it hits May 25th, the same day as Solo. Oh, I'm wondering if it's about uh, Kira or something like that, you know? Yeah, it's it's got to be Kira, right? I, Unless I think they so. like, completely like throw us for a loop and it's about Sana or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the NPC's nest. <laughs> hey, that's... Actually, yeah. you know, I, well, you know, I don't know if they would blow that secret. I mean, I mean well, then again... I don't think Infy's Nest being female is not really a secret. Yeah, exactly. I don't. It's not like they've hidden that. It's just like it's unique to Star Wars, so it's become a thing. So you're right. So they they probably could just make the the episode be about Enfy's Nest. Hmm. That would be really cool. It's about Delicious Crumb. (laughs) 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 Pretty good. There's there's also Han Solo tie-in books already out. Last Shot, which is about Han and Lando taking place over several time periods. And Matt, I'll, we'll ask you about that. You've read a little bit more about that. We'll talk about that soon. But they've announced a new book series uh, that's like actually not just like a uh, an ongoing series by the same person, but like just sort of a co- conceptual branding for a series of Star Wars books. Coming out later this year, it's called Flight of the Falcon. And these are books and comics that connect different eras of Star Wars storytelling through the adventures of the Falcon. It starts in October with a middle-grade novel by Justina Ireland called Lando's Luck, um, which is presumably about how he wins the ship initially. I, I just want to point out that that phrase, Flight of the Falcon, has been used like... That was the name of a, of a Game Boy Advanced game. Whoa. Back in the day, it was the name of, a, of another junior novel. But like that phrase is just used continuously for different pieces of... of are they you know, renewing Star the Wars trademark? <laughs> is that what they're doing? <laughs> I don't know, but I think it's interesting that they keep going back to Flight of the Falcon. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just, you know, it's a falcon, so it's got to fly. I guess so. Um, so this series, it's going to take place through a bunch of time periods from this point at of Lando's luck on through the new trilogy, ending on, quote, the incredible world of Batu, <laughs> which is, of course, the location where Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars theme park, is set. And it seems like this is one of a number of volleys that they're going to be throwing our way in the interim between Solo and Episode Nine, wherein Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will be opening, and they're going to be front-loading with as much information about this planet as possible. We've already seen it and talked about it and showing up in a bunch of other forthcoming and presently out pieces of literature it's just going to keep on coming you think they're going to try to work batu into episode nine it could end there for all we know <laughs> yeah it's probably the primary planet 
That, that actually that's that's the first time you've, we've said anything like that but that seems very likely actually man yeah you know it's, it's interesting like because we're probably going to get batu stuff on the scale that we get movie news like as we get closer to galaxy's edge opening up mm-hmm. which is going to be a weird thing because i mean there's been hype about theme park openings but nothing like this so it'll be interesting to see how much they like are doing batu stuff as we get closer i'm yeah. sure they'll be doing a lot yeah there's a uh, Choose Your Destiny book of some kind co- about Luke and Leia uh, written by Kevin Scott. We don't have a title for that. And there's also one called Pirate's Price, which is another young reader's novel by Lou Anders, which is about Han and Chewie teaming up with Hondo Onaka from Clone Wars and Rebels. Hmm. Pretty rad. There's also an unidentified story about Bayzine Natal, the Art Deco-looking spy who is in Maz Kanata's castle on Takodana in The Force Awakens. She's the one who's searching for the Falcon in that era and ends up going to Batu, where, of course, there's a Millennium Falcon ride. And each of these titles includes a map that traces the literal flight path in the galaxy and gives readers connectivity to the time and place where each story is set. You know, I just had a wild idea. Hmm. When Maz Kanata said, it's like, where did you get that lightsaber? A story for another time. <laughs> if you have to get that lightsaber to Maz Kanata's castle... That'd be pretty fucking cool. That would be pretty cool. I just I don't know how, but <laughs> that would be that would be pretty cool to be like, I'm the one who did that every time you watch Force Awakens. It's just gonna be one of those really terrible cold opens that she does for the Forces of Destiny television special. She's gonna be <laughs> sitting out in the wilderness cooking something, and there's gonna be cute animals, and she's gonna be like, Ow, I stubbed my toe. What is this? A lightsaber. How did it get here? I bet well, there's a, a great story. story. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um so, Matt, tell us about Last Shot, the Han Solo Lando book. Well, other than being terrible. Oh, um, no, really? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel bad in some ways for a lot of the, the Del Rey novelists these days because I just don't think they can tell stories on the scale that they want to. You mean because, they're, they're not allowed to? Yes, uh, because they are kind of beholden to what the movies may want to do someday. So I don't know this story. It, it, it's over four different time periods, and um, which is hard enough to to keep track of. But it's just not written in a way that Han Han's character is, is given any sort of credit, or even Lando's for that matter. They're both like girl obsessed, like weirdos. Like it's just <laughs> Han pining over Sana and Lando pining over his Twi'lek girlfriend Kasha. And this terrible story about a, a Ewok slicer and a and a Gungan security guard that is upset when people say Misa because he thinks it's it's like a, a racist stereotype for them to to talk that way. Okay, That's heavy handed. Okay. Now, when when is when does the part about the Ewok slicer take place time wise? This is it's we're like two years after uh, Battle Jakku, so like two three years after Endor. Okay, so that's a while. I'm about to say like because if there's like an Ewok slicer running around like before the, you know, like before New Hope, it's just like what the hell? Like, uh, but that's interesting well, because I mean, we last episode we talked about the Forces of Destiny episodes where the princess from the Ewoks cartoon show has shown up. Yeah, and yeah. they like chopper the droid enlisted her to shoot man, you know, man, man the down. guns like in the ghost and they they make a point in this book to talk about how like the conceptions over like gungans and ewoks like is very like you know they're bad stereotypes 
So I think they're trying to insinuate that Ewoks are more advanced than were presented in Return of the Jedi. But I just, I don't know. It's the the heavy handedness, as you mentioned, Cap, is like there and, and, and confuses me because like, you know, it's almost saying it's it's basically saying like, oh, yeah, Phantom Menace was this was a a, a weird racial thing. You know, like it, it's drawing it more attention to it in right, a weird which way. You, you in theory shouldn't do. Right. Um, because it, it, it's a weird gray in universe thing. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's it's this very strange book. And, and to the point where like the Gungan security guy is is giving them a, Han and Lando a hard time about getting into this prison so they can look something up. And then the the Ewok comes in and says something in Ewokese and the Gungan's just like, oh, why didn't you say so? And like no explanation of what was said. And then I'm now 100 plus pages beyond that. And they haven't gone back to that. Like this book is filled with weird things. Like it, it's a terrible, terrible book. But so far, not too many great connections to uh, there was a, a drop of Crimson Dawn as a crime syndicate, which I guess that's Dryden Voss's criminal organization in Solo. Maybe but, we, we don't really know. Yeah. And, but, you know, we've seen some like logos for a Crimson Dawn kind of thing online and whatnot. So like, I, I guess that's there. And, and L3 is in it. And L3 makes some references to being really into droids rights issues, which is cool. And so, like, uh, you know, there's there's little things, but. The story is pretty bad, and it just serves to make Han look like an idiot. <laughs> well, as, as far as the Ewok Gungan thing goes, I'm just going to say, sure, Gungans may have different levels of speech, and they may have different education and different everything like that. I get it. They, they, seem, they have a technology. Ewoks live in the woods. They live in trees. <laughs> they have fire. And they were literally going to eat our heroes <laughs> like, <laughs> like, until the magical flying golden man <laughs> told them not to. I know. So I, know. I, I don't, you know. Here's what I think. It's, it seems like there's a there's a weird larger narrative to what end I don't know appearing that suggests that Ewoks are capable of a great deal of understanding if you take them beyond the forest moon. And I, that's an interesting idea, but we haven't really explored that. We're just beginning yeah. to. And Yeah. It's just, yeah, the book is a lot of Han just being uh, like 10 steps behind the thought process of every other character. And they have to explain to him constantly what they're doing because they think he's an idiot for not knowing what he's. It's just a very, very bad book. I would not recommend it, unfortunately. Well, we'll we'll link to it on this episode's page where you can not buy it. (laughs) (laughs) We have some information about episode nine. And we had some information about episode nine last episode as well. You'll remember that John Boyega said that he was growing his hair out, implying that there was a time jump. Well, now some a very strange thing has happened. This is from the Star Wars Speculation Reddit in a thread called I Have Read a Very Early Storyboard for Episode Nine from a user called F-O-O-S-L-S. And this user, two years ago, the only other thing this account has ever done, shared info from an early storyboard of Episode Eight, which, while not being 100% accurate to what happened in the film, was accurate enough to be shocking and in line with what an early version of that movie may have looked like. Hmm. This what what we've been showcased here is very likely from one of the Colin Trevorrow outlines because J.J. Abrams has really only just finished his work on a yeah. preliminary script. Yeah. So all bets are off on how real the stuff we're about to talk about is actually, but this could have informed that process. And I, I debated whether or not to put this behind the blast doors, but I think this is just, it's too, it's too early, it's too weird. I think this is appropriate. I think it's interesting because, hey, if this did come from Trevorrow's draft, 
most we're probably of- not going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> However, I, it's and I'm gonna, let me caution you, folks. This is laughably crazy. Some of it, and mm. other parts, maybe they'll hold on to bits. And the one thing though is there is a time jump. Nothing goes to waste. Five years later, the resistance is no longer centralized and isn't a popular idea in the galaxy. Kylo's rule is seen by most as benevolent. Many within the resistance itself are questioning why they should even be fighting. Ray, Poe, Finn, and Leia are still fighting, and a mole inside the First Order, who ends up being Hux, who wants to get the galaxy to revolt against Ren's empire so he can claim the throne, um, he promises that if the resistance follows his lead, they'll discover the true, horrifying nature of the First Order. And this tip leads them to a planet in the Unknown Regions, where they infiltrate a base to extract a young female alien prodigy, the key to navigating these Unknown Regions. Which is interesting, because there's those weird creatures in that scrying sphere. In the throne room, <laughs> in the, right? In Snoke's throne room, yeah, in Force Awakens, who, according to the source book, are from the Unknown Regions hmm. and have enlarged brains that allow them to navigate those spaces. Hmm. They're like living star maps. Hmm. Just wonder how bad it is. You know what I mean? Like, how bad is it where it's like, well, if you heard this one person's story, it would change your opinion. Well, that's not it, Doug. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets. It, the, she then leads them to a planet in the unknown regions that's one big ocean beneath which is the secret to the First Order's unlimited resources. Hmm. An ancient manufacturing station literally powered by the populations of conquered worlds. From, Whoa, the, what a crazy idea. Where could they possibly have gotten that from? <laughs> you mean Temple of Doom? No, no. I'm going a little, a little more a little Star Wars expanded that. university. A little, 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 little older than that, you'd say? A little more Old Republic than that? Yeah, oh, yeah. I would say maybe maybe the time when like there were knights of the Old Republic around. Oh, and, yeah? And if you recall, didn't I say something like, you know, back in 2012 or whatever about motherfucking star forge <laughs> like like and it was like wait where does the first order come from how do they make so many ships what's all this mystery about out in the outer reaches and the unknown regions what's out in the unknown regions that could possibly make an army and navy that big star forge yeah they're gonna do it i'm now i'm not i i wouldn't bet that it's the star forge that we know because nobody would know you know like it wouldn't be no one would give a shit but it's probably a version of what that was, a Star Forge. Oh, it's a, it's lost on me. I never played the Old Republic, so I don't have a basis for comparison. Doug, I, I do think it, it will be that Star Forge because I think I think it's enough of a like it is such a beloved part of the fandom that it will automatically get passing grades. I don't think JJ Abrams think... gives a shit about the old, Star Wars: The Old Republic or Nice the Old no, Republic. No, see, that's the thing though. They don't have to tell him it's Nice the Old Republic. They'll just be like JJ. They got the great thing like like they'll describe what the star forge is and he'll love the idea and he'll just put it in there and then they'll, well, they'll folks, tell him what the hell is it what is it tell me what it is i hear i hear star forge all the time but i've never played the game so i don't know so what is it it it's it's essentially uh, a forge that uses i mean correct me if i'm wrong doug but like there was some force element to it that yeah it was able to build large ships and and just you know, through it was a giant 3D resources. printer. It was a giant yeah, 3D exactly. printer that go. spits out full-size ships 
really quickly using the power of the force and raw matter. So actually what you're saying to me is that thing that builds planets from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Except yeah. it doesn't build planet-sized stuff. It builds, like, you know... Giant. Tell that to Starkiller Base. Well, it could definitely put out the pieces for it. You know what I mean? Like, the idea is, like, with the Starforge, it's huge power. Like, the, mm -hmm. but the power to... It's not a weapon, but uh -huh. it makes weapons. Interesting thing about this whole, like, planet that's one big ocean, and then presumably underneath it is the secret. They just literally just did that in Kieran Gillen's Star Wars comic. Not what's what's in there is like it's where the empires like buried their ultra prisoners and like all kinds of other stuff. It's a hidden, hidden imperial base inside of an extremely dangerous ocean planet. Hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe that's just a key to this all being scrapped, or at least that element of it, because they've literally just done that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Star Forge is it, it's kind of like out in space, like it's in a you know. I mean, I, I believe it can move, yeah. but it's you know. It's large enough that it's basically a large ship that creates other ships. Very large, though. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, but what happens to the rest of the story is the, they've got to liberate the captives and expose these horrors to the galaxy at large of this enslavement that's happening. And this segment of the plot revolves around these unknown regions. Uh, like it, it resolves by them being united and preparing, for, and weirdly preparing for war with the known regions which is weird because that doesn't sound like the kind of thing you'd put at a finite end to a trilogy, so maybe it's not a trilogy. Right. That's my that's my note there, which is something we've, you know, talked about. Yeah, I I never suspected that Disney would be interested in ending a trilogy with like and they all lived happily ever after no more Star Wars. Like it's just well, going to set we, up we, for we've the next, talked about you know, the possibility that they're establishing a status quo for like infinite star Wars, that the first order would be in charge by the time this trilogy ends so that they don't have to worry about constantly resetting, you know, the good versus evil battle. If you, if you leave evil in charge, I mean, the worst thing that could have happened for, for Disney is the fact that they won at the end of return of the Jedi, you know, like when, you know, ideally for them is they would have purchased star Wars before the empire was defeated. Cause then they could just continue with the empire. So if this trilogy is just setting up a an infinite empire, another Knights of the Republic yeah. oh, uh, boy. reference, then um, you know, then they always have bad guys, and you don't have to worry about uh, you know. And and we've talked about how that's why the setting is so much more conducive to stories right now of, of the original trilogy setting is because they don't have to worry about you know reestablishing powers that be, but. The sequel trilogy is clunky because they had to take time to do that and and didn't take enough time. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you know this trilogy doesn't end happily ever after. I, I I'm intrigued by the idea of a first order that's being viewed as benevolent and people sort of saying, "Well, hey, why are we even bothering?" Because you know, what have the Romans ever done for us? The aqueduct, <laughs> you know, like, all right, besides yeah. being safe to walk at night, we have education and the aqueduct, the streets are paved and the crime is at an all time low. What have the Romans ever done for us? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. But lest we forget, three planets got blowed the fuck up. You know, I mean, right. that's more than the Empire ever blowed up. You under know? under Snoke's leadership. True. I mean, you'd have I mean, Kylo Ren would have to make huge reparations <laughs> i mean i don't know if that's possible i mean can you put a price yeah, on, fire, on three planets you know, every every week there's fireside chats with kylo ren 
The fire happens <laughs> to be a corpse, but you know, sure. This is Kylo Ren. Once again, uh, I'd like to apologize on behalf of the First Order for the actions of Supreme Leader Snoke. Thankfully, he was killed. I've taken his place by him. <laughs> yeah, wait till you know he just he comes out and he, so he you feels know, confident he, announcing that the, uh, just, the death was un- the death was unacceptable. I I took vengeance and uh, you're welcome. Yeah, and uh, now we will celebrate the uh, fifth anniversary of that terrible day when laser bolts cut across the sky. Everyone in the galaxy saw it. <laughs> and the three planets are <laughs> more. Please a moment of silence. I ask three minutes for the three planets. Thank you. Starting now. Like, and the entire galaxy goes quiet. Like, I just, I don't know. I can't. I Except can't. for a droid who farts. <laughs> droid? It's like, oh, this is proof. Um, I can't. I just, I, I'm interested at that, with that, but I, I, it's, that'd be a hard pill to swallow that the galaxy would just sort of let that slide. Would you like a harder pill to swallow? Go, hit me. Hey, just go. Hey, Doug, Matt, who haven't I mentioned yet? Ray? Yeah, I haven't mentioned Ray. We haven't mentioned Poe either, but no, I did mention Poe briefly. Oh well, yeah, okay. What about Finn? Finn also I mentioned briefly. You also haven't mentioned Captain Phasma. You're right, I have not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kylo is hunting down Force users in secret with the Knights of Ren. We'll finally get to see him. Won't JJ be happy? Maybe. Um, and trying to discover who the mole is. I'll be a better leader than Skywalker ever was. <laughs> I'll teach them better. Ray has helped protect Force users young and old, but still Skypes with Kylo, and yes, they secretly love each other. Eh. But one of Rey's students is actually her child, and it's not Kylo's, and when he finds out, he nearly kills her, and is only and she's only saved at the last minute by Leia. Eh. That doesn't make any sense. Who's the daddy? I mean, just another, another immaculate Force conception, perhaps, Doug. Eh. I mean... It's you know that, that you know I don't know because that would really diminish Ray's character. Oh right, like, yeah. It would throw she, her out. It's barely been established, yeah. and then you're like, "Ooh, strong female character. What can she do? She can get pregnant. She gets pregnant. Now the baby's all that matters." Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm, I'm mad at you, woman, because you had a baby. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, come and, on. I mean, and considering all the weird paternal stuff that she was mashed into Jurassic World, I could totally see Trevor writing this. <laughs> so, you know, like one day you'll know. You'll want to have children, Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh my gosh, don't even. <laughs> so I think that shit is scrapped. It fucking better be. Yeah. But I, the rest sandwich. of it, I honestly like. I think that could be at least a former um, scaffolding for the story for this movie. I, I I would be interested to see a a version of Kylo Ren who takes all that power and says, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do, and what I want to do is good for the universe, and it actually kind of works. And you have people saying. Yeah, it's fascist, but it's working. And then everyone's going to be like, is everyone taking crazy pills? What happened? And I don't know. That's interesting. It it, it would be very Jason Solo. Like, you know, it's it, the best kinds of good guys have or bad guys have like they honestly believe what they're doing is good. And I could see a situation in which, you know, I mean, we don't really know why, like, just because he finds out that he's Vader's grandson, like he needs to conquer the galaxy. Like he might have good aspirations and just like going about it very wrongly and confusingly Mm. especially if you know luke didn't really know what he was doing when he was teaching them i mean how do you how do you teach (laughs) a serious question though how do you teach that how do you how do you teach someone to be a jedi who is exploding with power like you have to teach a teenager how do you teach a teenager restraint it's like it's like that it's like that twilight zone episode with the kid who could just blink at you and he turns you into a you know into a 
cornfield, you know? Like, how do you discipline this person? How do they learn to be empathetic and and to restrain their power? Very carefully. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I would love some more establishment or, or for that just not to have been the case. <laughs> the live-action Star Wars TV show coming to Disney streaming platform. We know John Favreau is at the helm of it. We don't know much else. However... He was at the solo premiere, and the Nerdist did get an interview with him where he was surprisingly forthcoming with information. We were wondering where it was set, and now we know. Um, He actually pitched the idea to Lucasfilm himself. The story takes place seven years after the Battle of Yavin, which puts it three to four years after the Battle of Endor. Hmm. So this is in the sweet spot for maybe explaining this First Order nonsense. But then also, there's this is before Star Wars Resistance, the new cartoon show that's coming out later this year. This is at the beginning end of the uh, that expanse, and then Resistance is at the end of that expanse. So Favreau has actually been thinking about doing this show for a long time, and uh, he wrote four scripts before pitching it, so at this point it's already kind of far along, and, and it will feature mm-hmm. an all-new cast of characters and new planets. Cool. I got to say, I'm shocked by that timing. I would have thought a first run at a live action TV show, they would have gone to the original trilogy. Well, I I would have also, I mean to, to say the empire is not in power and that this is like a new Republic movie or TV show is, I mean, that's just is blowing me away. Yeah. I'm super excited. I'm excited because that's kind of the, the era that we've all been wanting to see. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) And you know, whether that's just like bad guys of the week or some sort of localized thing that's not imperial or republic and you know maybe just something out on the outer rim i don't know it could be a million different things and it's really cool that you know we're gonna have to slowly find out what it all means cheers but on but (laughs) two like you don't go anywhere yeah it's a new planet and you know we got people coming in from all sorts of different crazy places but you know we only got the budget for like you know one good set and uh you know cast of characters it's great that (laughs) sounds amazing to me doug yeah i would i would see that show i mean what's the centerpiece of every star wars film they always obligatorily have it the star wars cantina you just do the cantina all the time yeah yeah it's all cantina all the time Uh, (laughs) oh Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd hit it. And it takes place on Batu. So I mean, you go visit, you go visit the canteen on Batu when you go. Think about the success of um of troops, the original like, n- well, the, not the original Star Wars fan film because that was Hardware. Yeah, one Harvard of the big fan films. Yeah, yeah, one of the after after Hardware Wars, the yeah. next biggest tentpole of Star Wars fan films. But troops, working class Joes of the Empire. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> John Favreau, I'm really excited about. Uh, <laughs> Your cheers in Star Wars. <laughs> I just made that up. That, there's no, that's pure speculation on my part. Oh, it's true. It's happening. <laughs> um, He's going to do swingers in Star Wars. Oh, wow. <laughs> so would swingers in Star Wars be called jizzers? <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Folks, here's the big, big news. There's been rumors of an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie for a long time, and we don't even we don't know where uh, this information necessarily comes from. It keeps getting floated around like is it Disney testing the waters? Is it right. like are they judging fan reactions to see if people actually want this? But everyone seems to, you know, say, "Yeah, we would love to see Ewan McGregor get the chance to really sink his teeth into the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi." Mm-hmm. And 
uh, at this point, I don't know, maybe maybe like a year and a half ago or so, I forget when it was. We we said, yeah, no, we've got enough evidence. We're pr- on this show. We're pretty we're sure. Pretty confident. Yeah, it's yeah. it's happening. But then it was silent for a good long while. Yeah. But now we actually do have definitive proof that the Obi Wan Kenobi film is happening. They're going to announce it like not very long after Solo, like after this movie like debuts and comes out. This is going to be out in the world. A website called Fanthatrax reported that it's in pre-production with filming scheduled for spring 2019 for a 2020 release. The director is still rumored to be Stephen Daltrey, which is something we spoke about. Yeah. A writing team have been working on the movie since late last year, and this comes from what they said was a well-placed source who's seen documents proving that, quote, an art department is now in full pre-production at at Pinewood Studios, England, with ancillary work being carried out at Industrial Light and Magic in London. A number of concept artists, prop modelers, and storyboard artists are working as a team across two locations on the film, with the group growing in numbers every month. Um, they've extended contracts of crew working on other Star Wars projects and folded them into ramping up the Obi-Wan production. Pre-production will continue while Episode Nine shoots from this summer through the end of the year, at which point production for the Obi-Wan movie will um, move on to those sound stages in January of 2019, with the main shoots beginning in April. The project is being developed under the corporate name of PLT Productions UK Limited. So that is all like, that seems, okay, well, that could be fake. You know, sure, it sounds quite formal, but it could be fake. However, in an unprecedented move, a mod on our Star Wars leaks said, we've received independent verification that an Obi-Wan film is indeed in the works, as reported earlier today by Fanthatrax. Our source has unequivocally proven to be right about past leaks, but asked that we vouch for the validity of the information on his or her behalf to maintain an additional level of anonymity. No additional details have been provided, just verification that the Fanthatrax report is accurate. That's impressive. That's never happened before. Yeah. So take that to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> it is on. It is so on. Now, I mean, the big question is, what? what but what does that mean? Like, Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine, watching over Luke, should rightly be uninterrupted. And we also have stories from that time period, both in Jason Aaron's run on the Star Wars comic. Rebels. And also in Star Wars Rebels, yeah. Are they going to do a scene that explains why he looks so much older, like he's fighting another Sith and it sucks half the life out of him, like the Pit of Despair I mean, in Princess Bride? You know, allegedly it's just because the Tatooine twin sons. Oh, don't give me that shit. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Until they prove to me that what they're doing on the TV shows and comics actually like matters to them in the grand scheme of a, of a larger canon. And I mean like really, really matters. Um, I'm I'm willing to believe that they'll tell me a more definitive Obi-Wan story in a movie instead. Yeah. Um, we have a planned discussion happening a little bit later to point to some, some really hilarious, but also a bit disconcerting ways that that one unified canon that Lucasfilms was aiming towards with the story group when they eliminated mm-hmm. the prior EU, it's really falling to pieces and i think that we're going to get some more sense of how that might be happening later on in this uh, episode. and i was i was doubtful from the beginning but i wanted to give a benefit of the doubt but i just you can't do it it's too big it's too big yeah. to, it's to daunting yeah. It. yeah i it's it's the minute i mean you know we probably should have known when they started talking about crystal bleeding <laughs> because the they're going to acquiesce to the filmmaker because film is king so i 
until I see some like, you know, real reverence paid to what has come in comics, books, video games, that sort of thing. I, I tend to think that just because we've seen, you know, Obi-Wan in Rebels or, you know, a million other things in Rebels and Clone Wars, I, I tend to think that that's still fair game for what they want, what they can do in film. It's all legends. It's all versions of the truth. And then the only truth is the thing that we see with live action characters or live action quote unquote characters, depending on how CG they are doing this stuff, which is, uh, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. It must be very difficult to work under those confines. Um, certainly we've seen enough people kind of get burned by it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, either way, the prospect of Ewan McGregor reprising the role is pretty dang exciting. And hopefully whatever they do actually, you know, will surprise us and won't contradict things that have happened. It's, you know, it's possible, it's just uh, sure. weird. It's just a weird thing to do after they did seem to consciously spend so much time actively saying, no, it really was nothing. And Pablo Hidalgo being like, why do you want to see a movie about, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, about a, a guy sitting in a hut for 18 years. So as, as it kept going on, they kept on slowly more acquiescing to like, oh, no, the fans really do want to see this. So then like we got a comic and then we got a episode of, you know, storyline on Rebels. And then, you know, we'll eventually get a movie because people are proving that their favorite part of the prequels is Ewan McGregor. And, you know, it's it's all a perfect storm. We'll eventually I, I don't get a movie. know if, if anyone else remembers this, but shortly after Lucasfilm was bought by Disney, StarWars.com did a poll. This is, this is like months after Star Wars uh, was bought by Disney. They did a poll of who is your, fa- who is your all-time favorite Star Wars character? And they had Yoda, Vader... Han Solo, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I think two others that I'm not really remembering. And Obi-Wan Kenobi fucking crushed it. And they never did another poll like that again. And I've always wondered, <laughs> like, is that the thing that made them go, oh, like, you know what? But what do the fans want? What? A, damn it. If only we knew what the fans wanted. Well, let's just ask them. Like, we'll, we'll put a poll up and see who responds. And what were the movies that we were hearing rumored for a long time? Han Solo, Yoda. I mean, there was even a Jabba one, but I don't think Jabba was on the on the poll. But definitely Obi Wan, like the, all the ones that were on that. He's such a great character. I know. Come on, come on. But I, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the beginning of the rumblings of if we're going to do spinoff movies to fill in the gap between you know these this trilogy. What are we going to fill it with? Well, I don't know. What do people like? What do they want to see? I think Boba Fett was on there, but I don't remember how high he got. But still, it's just like he he destroyed. It was it was far and away the winner, and. They never said anything else about that. It was just sort of like, thank you. The winner's Obi-Wan. I'm like, goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, let's, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, so I don't know. I guess I'm just surprised that it wasn't the first one they announced. But I guess Han Solo was safer. More obvious, perhaps. Because there's he, he's actually going out there doing adventures. There's a story of him and Chewie. Whereas, well, and also he's you know, a link to the original trilogy. And Obi-Wan would be a link to the prequel era. And mm-hmm. that was something they were keeping an intentional distance from. Mm-hmm. Just to give it time. Sure. So here we are. Moving on to comics. Not too much to announce. Except that Charles Soule said on uh, Twitter that the next big arc in the Darth Vader comic is a series called Fortress Vader, which is going to tell us the story of how Vader secured his dope Mustafarian digs. Also, I just want to point out that I was totally right about the Jedi who defects at the end of the Mace Windu comic being an Inquisitor down the line. He is in Vader, and um, 
he uh, the 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 Jedi formerly known as Prosit Dibs is the tenth brother. I was just wrong. About, I was wrong about which individual he was visually, but yeah, he was totally there. He's totally an Inquisitor. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, there's this Vader comic is still amazing and still surprising. Like I cannot wait to see what happens in the next issue because the prior issue had a crazy, amazing cliffhanger. I want to see Vader like haggle the price of that with like some Toydarian. <laughs> the price of what? The price. The price the of, his, the, of the his fortress. fortress? Yeah. Or just damn Toydarians are all the same. <laughs> like how many slaves built this? I don't use the slaves. I, uh, I built it with uh, my cousin. I don't believe you. <laughs> oh no, Fortress Vader is just one issue long, and it's just Vader like pulling lava out of uh, the trenches of Mustafar and shaping it into this yeah, weird out castle. of hate, just the power of his hate alone. <laughs> this, will be, this will be a monument of our hate for you, Obi Wan. Fuck. <laughs> but in the middle of it is is actually this like be shown in like Obi Wan statue, <laughs> like blowing a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you guys, ready for Willow Watch? Does Black Root put hair on your chest? <laughs> Willow. Long ago, as soon as Ron Howard was announced that he was attached to Solo after Lord Miller got fired, we said, all right, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. The, the, this, is the, this year is the 30th anniversary of Willow. The, the actual 30th anniversary day, May 20th, is happening only days away from the launch of Solo. He's going to get hit with interview after interview talking about Willow. It has begun, and it has yielded fruits immediately. <laughs> I mean, Doug, are you prepared? I, no. <laughs> here, here at Willow Watch, we have a, a grading system and a, a scale that helps us judge how close we are to getting the inevitable Willow sequel of some kind. We've gotten as far as Ostrich. Uh, we've, yeah, we've, we've bumped Ostrich and gone back down to Goat. That's where we were. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll Just to refresh everyone, I'm going to start at the lowest level and explain the highest level. So you start at Piglet. And that was where we were with like the first episode of Save the Emperor. We're at Piglet. No one's talking about it, but right. know, we're 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 still banging that drum. After that, there's Dove. Then there's uh, Possum. Then there's Raven. Mm-hmm. Goat, which is what we're currently at. Ostrich, Peacock, Tortoise, Tiger, and then Finn Rizal herself. And, okay. And. Uh, Based on the news you've been giving me. Well, let's let's explain the news first, then we'll talk about the level. Comicbook.com had an interview with Ron Howard, who said, I don't want to give away too much, but there's a little talk of Willow. We wouldn't call it Willow 2. I think it would focus a lot on Laura Dannon, although Willow would have to be significantly involved. I thought about that movie a lot as I was working on Solo because there are certain scenes, especially around some of the Mad Mardigan stuff, that was reminiscent of a character with that kind of swagger and bravado, and also some of the humor around some of the action in Willow was something I aspired to get in Solo. So, Ron Howard literally just said, "Not, not." But in the past, he was like, "Oh, maybe we could do a TV show. That would be oh, fun. Yeah, so that might sure. be fun. It'd be, it'd be cool it's to been do. great reminiscing he, with my old pal. Yeah, you know, he's literally saying we have been talking about it. It's a Willow sequel film. Yeah, the words Willow sequel have come out of his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about. And a Willow a, I sequel. don't want to give away too much. As in, there's, there's more, <laughs> a lot more to give away. Yeah, and what about these Corellian hounds? Yeah, yeah, okay, so John Kasdan, co-writer of, of Solo, said, uh, it tweeted, In a bizarre twist of fate, the Corellian Hounds, which were in the script from the very first draft, these are some of the big beasts that are used in one of the early segments of, of Solo, we've seen some photos of them, they, they have Lego versions, um, 
They were 100% a loving homage to the death dogs in Ron Howard's Willow. They terrified me as a kid, particularly when they mauled that poor nursemaid. Her name's Ethna, you ass. (laughs) (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) So yeah, Doug, what level are we at right now? I mean, if we were going up one, it would be to Ostrich, but hot damn, I think we're going to go up to Tortoise. And that's that's the biggest jump we may have ever had. I, I'm 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 going to say we're at tortoise. I'm expecting it to die down to peacock in a little bit, but for the time being, we're at thing, tortoise level. We, we can't we can't let it die down. This could be one of those put it out in the world and see what the world says back, and then Disney can go hmm. Like it might be up to us to get this. Well, this quite fire frankly, going. folks, I think that us stoking the collective conscious, like throughout this journey that we've been on, uh, we're we're part of it. You know, like. I don't know who else has been stoking that willow flame, to be honest. Like, I don't. <laughs> it's been happening all around us, all the times we've reported. No, I, on but it. I mean, like, who else? Like, who else but us <laughs> has been has been saying since Disney buys Lucasfilm? Or you know, who? What movies do we want to see? And from moment one, I remember being on the phone with you, and I'm like, I want that willow. <laughs> like, where is it? And uh, knowing that they were never going to talk about it, but I still was talking about it anyway. And here we are. Here we are. We're tortoise. And- how many? How many levels after tortoise again? We're jumping up three levels uh-huh. to Tortoise. And what's after Tortoise? After Tortoise is Tiger. And after Tiger is Finn fucking Rizel. Holy shit. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously. How? Like, the only reason we're not at Tiger is because he didn't say, oh, it's confirmed we're in production. If they say confirmed we're in production, I mean, like, that's Tiger. And the only thing that would mean Finn Rizel is, oh, no, not only are we in production, not only are we greenlit, we start filming. That's Finn Rizel. Like, that's that's the only thing that. No be. take backsies. No take backsies. Once <laughs> you get that ball rolling, you know, so. Oh. I don't believe it. I never thought we'd make it past like you know possum. You know? <laughs> like, I, I I'm willing to say that I think like Willow Watch and State of the Empire are the spark that will light the fire that will get us a second <laughs> yes. Willow. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. So, um, this is the 30th anniversary of Willow, as I said, and we have done some. Uh, we done a Willow special in the past. Our interview with Bob Dolman, which was an incredible journey through previously untold Willow stories. Very soon, we're going to have a text version of that so you can share it around and spread all these very unique Willow tales with other people. Perhaps once it's not trapped in the confines of a podcast, it'll Mm -hmm. take on a life of its own. But also, we're going to be kicking off a series of Willow Watch specials all throughout this year, beginning with recaps of like content of the story of of everything we've discovered about Willow, Willow as a franchise um, throughout the years. Because we've been doing we've been doing Willow Watch as long as we've been doing State of the Empire, yeah. and and buried throughout these episodes are a wealth of content about the times that Willow Two has been spoken of in various terms, and uh, and all the expanded universe content that we didn't know existed for Willow. It's it's been like a legit journey that we've been on. Yeah, I mean, from being just like fans and like really passionate about it to like getting that source book trying to get to the bottom of where did all these things come from and like how does it tie into the film what's the story of the film like was it all like a universe planned out ahead of time like marvel like what what was the deal yeah and we got to the bottom of some of that it's been very exciting yeah and it's it's not done yet we have an interview with alan varney the guy who wrote the willow source book uh that'll be coming up uh and then who knows what the year will continue and there's much more willow to discuss so thus ends willow watch We want to point out that this show would not be possible without you. There's a whole 
galaxy of Star Wars podcasts out there, many to choose from. But if you dig this one, then we desperately need you to get the word out. Tell friends about it, share us on your social feeds, or rate and review us on iTunes. That's still the best way to get the word out. We haven't had a review to read on the show in quite some time. There's also Podchaser, which is a great platform for podcast discovery where you can actually rate and review specific episodes. Leave notes about them, tag them, help people find them and discover them. All this stuff would be very appreciated. Feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook feeds or hit us up on Twitter. We're at WillowWatch underscore. And uh, also, you can find me at Cap Blackard. I'm at Doug V. Banks. And I am at Matthew Spill. We're around. We're posting cool stuff all the time. And, uh, of course, there's also the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group, which is going to come in handy when you want to discuss this movie and need to be with other people who've seen it. That's, uh, that's specifically why we created that space, actually, was post-film discussion without ruining it for people in your Facebook feeds. Mm-hmm. So that, that will be all linked on this episode's page or on State of the Empire's landing page at Consequence of Sound. Do come join us there. And, uh, well... Doug, I understand that you don't want to speak to these Bothan spies. Yeah, I feel like it's rare that we're, we're, we've made it this far for me to not still not have a really firm grip on where the story is going and what little surprises there may be in store. So I kind of want to, as an experiment, separate myself. And once you both hear what's going to happen, we're going to see the movie together. But I'm not going to know anything going into it. I mean, really. And seeing how we can compare those notes, see if it makes a difference. Okay, well, that's what we're going to do then. That is what we're going to do. Matt and I have already been comparing a lot of notes together. But so that, we're, and that's now, the thing. So, right, so, now, now we're going to compare those notes with these Bothan spies. Yeah, so you two just keep comparing those notes. Okay. I'm going to formulate my own stuff. <laughs> well, get, get out. Okay. Get out of here. All right, yeah. All right, we've got some Bothan spies on the phone right now. Hello, are you there? We're here. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty great. Um, now, you can confirm that your information is, is true and accurate. Our sources are real. It's true, all of it. Uh, most of our friends have died uh, along the way, but we're here to uh, give you this uh, exclusive. Are, are your voices are disguised? Are you worried about exposure? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if anybody knew who we were, we would be dead. Absolutely killed. Wait, I, your vocal modifications—they just dropped. Is that Mike Rothman and Matt Gerber from Consequence of Sound and the Losers Club? Well, you've effectively killed us, but yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to mourn your passing, but first, let's make it all worth it. Let's talk about Solo. <laughs> well, uh, where do you want to start? The grades? Because uh, How is I it? <laughs> loved this movie. <laughs> loved this movie. I've been very critical of the past films, uh, and I, I thought that this was... People are always going to say that stupid line of like, oh, the best since Empire or whatever, but this is genuinely the most fun since the 80s films actually ever since this project was announced i was really very cynical about it very very cynical and uh yeah and you too i mean all of us were for the most part i think i mean yeah how can you not go into this with a hesitation with everything that had been happening and all the problems and things that had happened with rogue one and you're just like oh man is this going to be like this again like are we just going to get a movie that's not anything that we thought it was going to be the only thing that this movie had going for it was that the trailer that dropped, it was never, you know, Chris Phil and Phil. Lord, yeah, it was yeah. never that. You know, it was always Ron Howard's vision, I guess. So it was like, oh, okay, well, this is what they were selling us and this is what we actually got. Yeah. Whereas opposed to like, you know, when we saw the Row One trailer, 
And then the movie came out and I was like, okay, well, this is good, but this is not the first trailer. And that, I really wanted to see that and, movie. And honestly, it, it, it matches the beats of the trailer. Like the trailer that they sold you on in the Super Bowl where this is going to be a fun really great adventure with like a world sprawling adventure. Like that is this, I mean, this movie is, is like, you know, no pun intended, a total blast. Like it really is. It's really fun. The best thing this movie has going for it is that people are are thinking it's not going to be good. Yeah. Can't imagine anybody walking out of this movie saying that was awful. Yeah. Like there's no way, like if anything, people are just going to be like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be like one of those things, if, if anything, but we really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I'm trying, you know, like we were on this big high when we came out of that movie. Yeah. I'm trying to take a step back and just kind of look at it from a different perspective, but it's, it's tough because it's a, it's a blast. Well, yeah. And the, the, the big thing that I don't want to have happen is, you know, when I walked out of last Jedi, I was really into it. I was like, okay, this is, this is exactly where I wanted this franchise to go. And then I started thinking about it more. And this is the tricky thing with the Disney embargo is that, you know, they, they, they dropped that embargo for like two in the morning that time. So I only really have like six hours to write it, which is what Disney wants you to do because you go out there with all your dopamine levels up and then all of a sudden you just write, gush and gush and go crazy. And then the kind of reality and some sort of cracks and crevices start to, you know, surface and everything. And there are a lot of like weird, gray, like just recalling back to December, I remember a lot of like gray area criticisms I had. And then there's also every criticism that State of the Empire lodged in their <laughs> epic episode where we hear about mass murder of Poe Dameron, and, <laughs> which I absolutely agree with, which I didn't even really think about because I only had, you know, five or six hours to write this review. And I'm like, you know, I have these feelings going in. But this is this feels genuinely different because honestly, like for the past two hours, I guess at this point, Mac and I really have been kind of like hitting our, or like racking our brains, just being like, what is our major criticisms with this movie? And I, there are some, there's some, yeah, there's so minimal compared to something I would have with force awakens or rogue one or like last Jedi, at least for me, at least for me, it was. Well, I mean, obviously if you really want to nitpick this movie, we can, but I I genuinely had a good time. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk about it. If you're looking for a Star Wars movie that absolutely feels like a different Star Wars movie that, but also feels like a Star Wars movie that (laughs) is building a world because my problem with these past films and even last Jedi is that they don't feel like they're actually playing with a galaxy. They feel like they're playing with like a set parameters. Like they all seem like they're confined to certain spaces. Like, yeah, you have Canto bite and like last Jedi, even though they like literally careen through it instead of actually having fun. And it's just with this, it's like you really do feel in the same way that you did with the older trilogy where it feels like, and even the prequels, the most of it, because I, I will give the prequels credit to that. It, it does feel like an expansive world, but this feels like an expansive world. And even when we were on the, the train ride back, you know, Mac and I were thinking of like where they can take this. And there's so oh, many wait, ways are you to talking take about this a now. Convex or are you talking about public transit? Oh, we're talking about a conveyance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We okay, were, cool. we were uh, participating in our own heist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like there's actually a galaxy out there now. And and, and, and then the, the, the thing I really love the, like the most about this movie for me is it taps into what I love so much about Star Wars. And it's when that like you have that sort of 
those tricky situations that you kind of have to jerry rig your way out of. And it's like what I loved about like Empire Strikes Back when they're like Han is literally like like it's like almost like duct taping the ship to get by like, you know, or like trying to like squeeze his way out of situations like this is a movie about smugglers and like in like the, the underbelly of Star Wars. So you don't have any Jedis. They don't have, you don't have any at their fingertips. Exactly. And like they really have to like there is some sort of peril here and it's very clumsy and it's very like. It's just, it's everything I love about Star Wars, which is why I bought action figures for it. And it does at times feel like Ron Howard is literally playing with action figures. Like, Well, and for me, it was like, you know, when you're reading like a Star Wars novel or a Star Wars comic and you're like, this is great. Why don't they do this on the big screen? Yeah. Oh, they yeah. finally did it on the big screen. Yes, yes. exactly. Like, That's what yeah. I wanted to and hear, it, Mac. It's like the Han Solo well, books. It really, from yeah, the 70s it did. It even. It felt like, it did feel like that. Like, you know, the movie starts and you're immediately comparing to... Everything Star Wars and everything Han Solo. Yeah, you you can't not do that. Like, oh, like, like yeah. I was I was like, when is my brain gonna shut off? And I'm just watching Alden Einrich now be solo in this you know in this realm, yeah. this universe. And I don't know when it happened, but it does. And and then I was just able to sit back and have a good time. For me, like, it's 30 seconds into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, for it's, Mike it was a lot quicker than mine. There's a <laughs> shot where there's just you you see that it's it goes to Corellia. And he's walking through yeah, this. That, what, I would say that was probably just wanting to see Corellia and all its junkiness. It basically <laughs> looks like the set from Alien Three. Uh, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, really, it really does. Like, but there's a shot where he just walks through this this tunnel. And I'm like, oh, that's Han Solo. Like that's that is Han Solo. And oh god, wow, Disney, you're allowing romance in your fucking movie. Yeah, they, finally, they, they, like, they do a good job with that angle. It's all Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan beats vintage Lawrence Kasdan beats in this. Do you want to talk about best since Empire? This is the best romance since Empire. Those scenes with Leia oh, and yeah. Han when they're just like kind of, you know, the the downtime when they're uh, they're in the belly of the beast, literally, and they they're just kind of like fixing the ship. And there's those great Kasdan moments where they kind of have the like nuanced dialogue the scenes with alden and and amelia clark in this movie are just fantastic like i love their chemistry like yeah they do a good job setting setting their relationship up and then again you're like well am i going to be comparing this to leia the whole time no no not at all it's so before any of that you you can't you know and like you actually really enjoy it i mean they have like they clearly have a history like right out of the gate yeah they name dropped heat as an influence on this movie? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, wow. this is a, it's a very Michael Mann-esque romance that they have here. And see, I'm, I might bite on the romance angle, but I didn't see all the Michael Mann. Well, you got this, uh, you got this forbidden love, basically. <laughs> yeah, but like, and that's you not got just Michael Mann movies. Th- those are, but that, that, that's like his, that's like his thing though, is that like, the, like love is just like, you know, there's no, no time for love, Dr. Jones. Like in his movies, <laughs> like that's literally what happens in every film. Like he has this, they have this great firecracker romance that is just shit gets in the way. And like in the, in the, in the sense that you have a bunch of like thieves that are all together. There's, there are a ton of allusions to heat. There, there are a lot of weird beats to Lucasfilm properties that we were kind of picking up on. Like I, I picked up on like, you know, like when Mad Margan escapes with Willow, like Mm -hmm. I thought that I thought the opening sequence kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Oh really? Yeah. Just like the way that it's like, so like, the way that they jump in and then they like they well, kind of know, escape like something oh, you're singing I really my liked. song and it goes dun 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 yeah I love that scene oh yeah uh, oh, your boy uh, Warwick so is me, in like, it talking about music this score is great great score now it's not the score you hear in the trailer that's like all like techno esque and making it seem like young and fast and brash it's a symphonic score done by this guy John Powell he's done yeah he's done ma- mainly like 
animated film scores, like How to Train a Dragon 2 and stuff like that. Yeah, and did like Chicken Run but and But I tell Shrek. you what, it's, it's the most memorable music and themes throughout the movie uh, that still feel like you're in a Star Wars film. And then, of course, you have the John Williams like punches every once in a while, of, like the, you know some of the Millennium Falcon music from A New Hope. And he and made a new theme Empire. for Han for this film. Well, William, John Williams did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And then he gave it to the, this guy, who uh, Mac. I'll tell you why this guy is so great. Um, oh boy, here we go. He's an understudy of the greatest composer of all time, and oh. this is me really. <laughs> Who's leaning that? on hyperbole here, but I I got a love for Hans Zimmer and oh, this, this, this and it, it, it never ends. I will listen to Hans Zimmer till I die. I'll probably be buried with a, with a <laughs> Hans Zimmer's time playing over and over again. But he's he was a member of his music studio, and uh, let's just say he well, learned you know, a lot. There's a scene in this movie with Kira and Han where their romance music came in, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> their, love, yeah. their love theme. Yeah. And I, I leaned over to Mike. I was like, this is a great theme. Yeah. Like, it's really hard. I think it's really a difficult thing to pull off because you have so many iconic themes in Star Wars. You're like, oh, wait, how are you going to beat the Leia theme and stuff like that? But, yeah. but the, the, it doesn't try to. It just has, it has got new themes. And I was on board with it. And, yeah. and, and music makes a movie for me. So that was half the battle. Another half was, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, well, Ron Howard hasn't made a good movie and blah, 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 blah. But he's a seasoned filmmaker. Yep. There wasn't one moment of this movie where I was picking up on the way it was directed. You know, I was just watching the story. And hey, you know what? Great. That's I don't want to have to be like worrying about the shots or, oh, well, why did they film that? I was able to just disappear into the story and really watch the movie and not be focused on that stuff even with a critical eye. Well, he's got like this great mix of a modern edge with the old style. It's Ron Howard basically kind of pulling together all the stuff he's learned over the past few years. And like, cause there are a lot of modern techniques in there. Like there's some fast zooms that happen early on that are very like un star Wars ish, but very like to his sort of thing, stuff that he did with, um, what was the racing movie he did with, uh, with Chris Hemsworth, um, oh, rush rush, like stuff that would be in that movie or, you know, there's like very, like, um, a lot of the action is very sweeping, but there's a lot of old beats that you get here that are, that, that you could tell that he was absolutely feeling nostalgic making this movie. And that nostalgia fuels the best, like it gives that spirit that you need for when you're making a movie that's set in the past. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And is 
capturing an iconic character. I, I think honestly, Ron Howard was the greatest Hail Mary for Disney to do like for this. And I honestly so have no interest in watching the Phil Lord and Chris Miller thing. Cause to be honest, I'm not even a huge fan of them. <laughs> I have never been a huge fan it of them. It is really but. interesting. I mean, I would have loved to see some of that, the, whatever that footage was with that, that got cut. I mean, there's, there's actors that were in that version that were not, are not in this movie. Yeah. And I, I am always interested to see that as just as a Star Wars yeah. geek, but it didn't bother me. I, did, I wasn't, when the movie was over, I wasn't like, oh, I really want to see what they, no, I was like, oh, no. this is great. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's Whereas with Rogue One, I was like, oh my God, get me Gareth Edwards. Well, I wanted like, to see, I, yeah, I really like, wanted to go back. And, and you know, that's a different discussion, but yeah. good director, <laughs> great music. <laughs> the performances were really good. I mean, Woody Harrelson's great. Woody Harrelson was I, really good. I, I love, uh, I love his rapport with pretty much everyone in the movie. Um, including uh, my boy Paul Bettany, who just might be my favorite villain <laughs> of this news franchise. Like, I mean, I love Kylo Ren, but this guy, every time he appeared on screen, it's like it's like what I thought was going to happen with uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Mm. I thought, I, you know, when I saw Ben Mendelsohn was going to be Rogue One, I was Krennic. like, oh, great. Yeah. Love, oh, yeah, Krennic, real villainous Krennic. <laughs> does nothing. I'm more, I'd be more afraid of... I love Mendelsohn, though. I love Mendelsohn, but he sucks in that movie because you get nothing. <laughs> and he, he would admit that, so... Um, he, I, he has admitted that. Uh, yeah, because yeah. he does nothing in it. He's just like, you know... Oh, well, because they brought... They, they should never have brought Tarkin in. Uh, no. Uh, it doesn't make... I mean, like, it just neutered his character. You, you know? so, did, so did the appearance of James Earl Jones as... <laughs> Darth Vader, because uh, <laughs> well, did not need him in that movie. But um, anyway, I, I loved him as a villain. Paul Bettany, every scene he's in, I'm just like, give me more time with this guy. He does, a really, he does a really good job. Again, it just felt like, you know, Shadows of the Empire in the sense that... Totally did. It, the, the Empire is there. Um, Even the set pieces. But they are not the villain in this movie at all. No. They're like momentarily in this film... And then it's all about this, like the crime syndicates and which is great. And the, and these pirates. Well, I, I think it's, there's a lot of shadow in the empire here. I mean, like first off, like that whole train sequence is straight from like the Ord Mantel like, <laughs> sequence. Oh yeah. Like, it, it really is. The, and, the, the and last, the last like place my favorite scenes of the movie is and like Caesar's so castle. Like, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, a little bit. I will say the sky pirate gang, <laughs> it's pronounced in infusness In infusness. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, their introduction, their introduction is really cool and it just goes some interesting ways, but let's talk about Lando a little bit. D- Donald Glover is, is so you know, honestly, honestly walking out. I felt like my, my one critique of the movie off the top of my head was like, could have used a little more Lando, Could've but you know what? Calrissian. I'm going to look back on it probably and go, you know, I'm glad he wasn't in this a lot because mm-hmm. I'm hoping he's going to be in another film yes. with Han where it's just like the two of them. That would be great. I want like five sequels. Give me five sequels. <laughs> I, I, I'm, ta- I'm I, I will rattle off all the, the the movies that this movie made me think of. I'm, I'm talking Maverick. I'm talking Ooh. Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. Ooh. I'm talking Will- Willow. Temple yeah! of Doom. Oh yeah, um, Temple of Doom. And there, uh... <laughs> there, there are bits and pieces of. I'm not joking. Like Radio Land Murders. Oh I'm not, shit! Like, <laughs> with with how things are, I, I, I'm I'm they went all in on some things. We're talking Mac and Me. Mac We're and talking... Me. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but there's there. Are, I say Maverick because. The way this film is structured reminds me so much of Maverick, where if you really look back at Maverick when you finish the movie, you're like, holy shit, that was an adventure and a long one. Like you went places, you did a lot and you and you grew with the characters and the chemistry made you not want to leave your seat. And that's kind of how I felt at this. And like the chemistry between Lando and Han or Han, 
I, I really do want to see like a buddy cop oh, sort too, of yeah. sort of comedy that they can have together. His uh, his pal L three thirty seven. This just doesn't happen a lot in, in in Star Wars movies, I guess. But like, there's a scene between Kira and L three, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is great. Could watch this yeah. for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, the, the, everybody was wow. really strong in their role. Solo is uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> just love this movie. I can't stress it enough. It's the most fun since the 80s. It's the... It's it certainly is the, fun. This is the yeah. Star Wars movie uh, you've been looking for. So Amazing. You know, uh, well, with that, let us now open the blast doors formally and reveal all the deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this. What do you want to know? <laughs> yeah. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. All right, the blast doors, they're, they're wide open, and we're straight up going to hear, like, everything. First off, the Star Wars premiere happened, and Matt and I, we have a wealth of data that we're pretty sure is true. Let's run it by you, and you can tell us true or false or, or whatever. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, think, I think by now, Cap and I could probably just do the movie line for line. So do you want to, like, <laughs> take it from the top, Cap? And then <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you know what? I want to see it again, so go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, Han Solo's in it. Um, right. Yeah, we can know. confirm Han Solo makes He is appearance. in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so Han and Kira are trying to leave Corellia, and they're together. They got to make some big escape. They get separated. Kira gets captured, and Han hides in a recruitment center where we do find out how Han Solo gets his name. True. We do. Yeah. And honestly, how is that cool? For me, it's the worst part of the movie. Can you guys describe the scene to us? Yeah. So basically, he gets separated from Kira. He decides that his only way out, he kind of like hurriedly runs into this recruitment center. Mm-hmm. But his whole idea is, I'm going to become a pilot, and I'm going to come. I'm going to get my own ship, and I'm going to come back here, and I'm going to save Kira. Yeah. So he's like, how quickly? How, how fast can I become? You know, get into this recruitment. You know, how fast can I do this? And the guy's, the guy's like, like, well, it depends on depends. how good you are. You know. Asks him his name. He says it's Han. Says, who are your people? What's yeah. your last name? He says he doesn't have any people. He's alone. And then the guy is like... Han Solo. But he takes a beat. I wish if it was just quicker, I would have just been like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But it's it, just... It's it's one of those moments, you know? It is it is a moment. You have to like... Oh, it, it's not it's it's not <laughs> as self-aware as the stuff that's in Rogue One. I will say that. It's not like a Ponda Baba thing <laughs> This is me. one... Well, yeah, but like, this is... This is honestly... This was the, the first moment where I... I I kind of cringed and was like, I don't know. Yeah. But then, honestly, the rest of the movie was like such a blast. And there are some n- other nods, but I just didn't care. I didn't. I didn't mind them. It wasn't like they bumped in the Greedo or something. And they were like, no, hey, thank and God. That's where, you <laughs> no, know, none of that there, w- there really wasn't any of that. And I was trying. I was looking in the background most of this movie. <laughs> I was trying to watch the movie without, but I had to look at the, at all the other characters. And I honestly didn't see anybody that was like, oh, that there's so-and-so. No, or that's no. from this movie or that. Like, it's pretty focused on, mm-hmm. on the story they're trying to tell. It's a self-contained. There are probably Easter eggs. I'm sure there's like thousands of Easter eggs that I didn't even pick up on. But it, it was stuff that you need to find upon multiple viewings. And that's what I appreciate. It didn't I, take away from the movie. I like that uh, that officer so much, the actor. You know, if this was like, you know, that Wayne's World 2 scenario where you're like, can we get a better guy for this? Like, no, they got no, a better he, guy. He did a, he good did a good job. job. He did a good job. So they sell that line delivery of like uh, Han Solo, you know, like he I, I, I thought it wasn't as cringeworthy as it could have been. Like, I'm shocked I, I that they I, wrote it, though. Like, that's that's I so weird. Like what a it. weird it is thing weird. But it also makes me happy that there's not a mailbox somewhere that says Solo's. Because I always thought it was just weird that like that they would just have last name. Yeah, (laughs) it's a weird name. Far away. Come on. Yeah. Well, I I guess because you have Skywalker. I think we needed to know. Yeah. 
I we didn't need to know. Just let it be a mystery. Who cares? All right. Note to self. I'll have to grab Doug and get him back in his seat when that line happens. <laughs> so he Honestly, doesn't leave the theater. Please, the, the best is yet to come. Please do because yeah, keep him in the theater. Because honestly, that was really the only thing where I was like, I really wish that wasn't in the movie. There's a, I mean, there's a couple other things, but it, I, again, it was just like, well, you well, find out how he gets not his blaster. Not do this. We see that. In the trailer, I didn't care right? about that though. Yeah, I didn't care. Yeah. That, that was, you know, okay, okay, that's all right. So what? Well, you find out literally everything about him. You get his how he gets his name, his blaster, his ship, his friend, like. You know, not, that stuff didn't feel forced. No, the solo line did. To it me. didn't. It, I guess it makes sense for me because it's if this is like the situation. I'm more interested in the sense that like it's interesting that the empire gave him his name. Like when you think of it in that well, respect, the, that's kind of cool. Like true. I also wish that maybe in, in, with Kira in the very beginning, we we did know his last name and it was not solo. And he gave that as a name because he didn't want them to know who he really was. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been neat. How long is that? How how much time is there between then and now? Oh God, what five minutes? Whoa, you really? Mean the, op- the opening sequence on Corellia? Yeah, yeah. It's like the first ten minutes. Tops. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's I fast. mean, like they. Well, no, I don't but know. But the pacing doesn't feel off, though. That's it, a thing. Like, because the, the chase goes it moves fast, and it, it puts him in situations like very quickly, so that you can get a feel of who this character is going to be. Oh no, because all right, well, we got to back up for a second because before they get to the, before he goes to the enrollment center, there is, it's just like vampiric alien almost. Uh, is, this, is this a scene from the trailer that takes place like in a sewer or something or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. What's, what's, we and, know nothing about that actually. What's the okay, deal with so that? That's, basically Han, Han and Kira have stolen this, this like, fuel that's really 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 expensive mm-hmm. it's basically like the, the they open up with like a little oh yeah we didn't even talk about the opening it's not there's no crawl obviously no crawl. but there's 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 a long you know a long time ago the guy's far far away and then they've got like the little one-liners saying you know like this is the state of the of the galaxy the crime syndicates are battling over like hyper fuel basically and to me it kind of was very reminiscent of like mad max you know like yeah. fuel's the most expensive yes. thing out there you know like yeah. because if you can move around the galaxy that's like that's that's the most powerful thing you can mm-hmm. have um so they they have enough of that yeah so they basically they're like we're gonna steal this and we're gonna use this as, as a bargaining chip to get out yeah mm. like this is our planet. ticket like, off. This is our ticket off the off world yeah then they get caught by the people that they're supposed to be stealing it for, which is this woman slash <laughs> woman, this giant giant <laughs> worm like, thing living yeah. in the sewer um, that has uh, Lady Proxima. Lady Proxima, yeah. Voiced by Linda Hunt, who I love. Matt, does that sound really fucking familiar? Why does that sound so familiar? Yeah, there, that that was a name that had been circ- like circulated around very early on in the solo rumor mm-hmm. world, but I don't think we ever saw anything about the character. So cool, cool design. Yeah, she's, yeah. Cool design. she's basically like the one that's kind of enslaving all these people to yeah. like. It felt that felt very Temple of Doom. <laughs> it felt Temple but, Doomish, know? and then also it, the the way that it's portrayed remind me of that huge giant like thing in the end of Willow. The Ebersick. Oh, the dragon. Yeah, just the way it's the way because it, 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 it looks so that practical. Big. It's not that big, but it, but it, yeah, it seemed kind of like a good mix of practical effects. And, and hey, if there weren't any practical effects, you did a great job because yeah. you know. But you know, it's great because it's in a dark environment where you can't really tell if it's CG or not. <laughs> and it's the first bit of comedy you get too, because like Han tries to, Han thwarts the the creature by saying he has a thermal detonator. Oh, that you know that could have been really dumb. <laughs> yeah, but I I 
Totally loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so he says he has a thermal he detonator, but it's a rock. thermal detonator, and she's like, that's not a thermal detonator. That's just a rock. He's like, no. And she's like, and then when you armed it, you made a clicking sound through your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then and then you think like, oh, he's fucked. And then he throws the rock and breaks this window, which is brings all this sunlight in. And that's when it like, that you see that they're almost like very vampiric. Like yeah, they, they're, their skin's their, melting their and everything. So she goes underwater. And then that's when they she, he runs off with Kira and then they get caught up together at the spaceport and he hot wires this this like little speeder that's so cool oh yeah and there's a there's a brief that that speeder sequence in the trailer that's that's right at the top of the movie and that's they're just trying to get away and get to the spaceport and like and he puts his dice on the mirror yes as soon as he gets in he puts his his lucky die on the on the mirror so the lucky die are in this movie a lot so those of you they come from kira no they they're his they're his he actually gives them to her at one point interesting very interesting because i mean obviously we'll have to see how these movies roll out mm-hmm. but the fact that that i feel like his first the first experience with these die and like his first love adds a lot more weight to those die yeah. in the future movies and it, <laughs> it has nothing to do with leia yeah which i kind of like that though me too i mean it does i think obviously down the line but <laughs> well i mean han solo is larger than leia you know but he's got a, he's got a whole past okay and, so here's the thing with, with that die and with certain things they do certain things in this movie that service the future films yeah uh, or the old trilogy but do not take away from them. That's you know, good. it's it, it's not like it, it's not like Rogue One where you have this badass Darth Vader come in and kill all these people with his lightsaber tricks, and then in New Hope we see him like piddling bah, 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 with Ben, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they do stuff in this movie where you're like, oh, that's cool, because now when you're watching the old trilogy, even though you you don't know this in the old trilogy, I now that I know the history, it gives it gives more of an emphasis to these scenes now. So yeah, so that's how they. But then, he, he then he's in the Empire. They cut to a, a war scene that it's probably like three years was later. In the original Rogue One. In the sense that <laughs> yeah. I, it's like a World War One scene. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it pretty, is, it's trench it is, warfare. It's trench warfare, and it is like brutal, it's brutal, <laughs> it's okay. gritty. So that's on Mimbon. What are they doing there? What's the Empire's objective? And who and who are they fighting? They don't really show. So here's the thing with that. But I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. At one point, Han, they're giving them orders after the initial battle where it's like all gone to hell. And one of the lieutenants is is basically, you know, he's rattling off orders and Han's like, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. And, and he's like, we're trying to restore peace and justice to the galaxy or whatever, you know, not, not, the, yeah. not the line that Hayden Christensen says, but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he says something along those lines. And then, and then he's like, and Han mentions that, you know, they're, the people that are indigenous, like they're yeah. like that the empire are the ones coming in and, yeah. you know, basically invading. So basically he questions authority and he, that's where he bumps into uh, uh, Tobias Beckett, Tobias Beckett and crew. And he thinks that they're, just, he thinks it's his captain. He thinks it's the captain yeah. and starts like taking orders from him yeah. and whatnot. And then you realize obviously they're there with another agenda and that they're actually not with the empire. Yeah. Cause he sees the battle damage on their clothing. Uh-huh. Basically, the, you know, he's like, well, I think that the lieutenant would be very interested if you if you that you want to take this ship, Beckett. You know, basically, you know, I'm not, I am not, I'm totally paraphrasing here. This is not, yeah, these are not yeah. lines from the movie. Let's just actually make up our own lines. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll be, I'll be Jake Kasdan, and you be Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, Dad, what was the what was the set like on the on the big chill? Oh God! No. So basically, um, he's like gonna blackmail him, and then uh, you know, Beckett calls over the lieutenant, and he's like. This man's trying to, you know, jump ship basically. Yeah. Don't listen to him, he's a liar. Yeah, Beckett's really good at doing so that. So they take they take Han and they're like, throw him to the beast. And we're like, oh shit, like what is this thing gonna be on this planet? You know? No, see at this so point. So they take him to like a I thought it was gonna be this rancor. Yeah, so thing. we're thinking like, oh god, what's gonna be? But I lean over to Mike and I whisper, oh, I know what it is. <laughs> so 
there's like this like mud pit with like gated. It's gated, so they throw them down into this pit. It's almost like so army. It's, of it is very. It is very much like rancor. It is very rancor. They Even throw like them the, into the top this pit, thing. and like they have the the stormtroopers like standing above, like looking down, and you hear all this like growling and this this stuff, and you see this thing kind of like in the shadows in this in this tunnel, kind of creeping out on all fours. You know, you're like, oh shit, what is this? And then it kind of slinks in and and stands up, and it's Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> Any idea what he's doing there? He's killing people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So later on, you find out that you, I mean, then I started thinking, all right, are they in Kashyyyk? And we just don't recognize it because it's so war torn, but that's not the case. Ultimately, like, I mean, later on, they just say that, you know, Wookiees have been enslaved mm-hmm. by the Empire. So for all I know, he was, he was like with this unit and just like lashed out and they just put him, they threw him down. In this yeah. Thing. It's probably what happened. Like when Yoda left, um, in uh, revenge <laughs> of the Sith, you know, somebody, the, the empire came up and they were like, Hey, guess what? We're going to burn your family and, uh, we're taking you. But ultimately like he's down in this thing. They said they haven't fed him in weeks. And like, there's, there's like, like a corpse down there and there's like some things strewn about. And you think he's just like this beast, but then, you know, uh, he starts attacking Han and it's just, it's just funny. It was just really fun to see them fighting each other because like, it's never done that. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way it's shot is yeah, gorgeous. God, it could have been so dumb, but it was actually really fun. Yeah. And also we didn't mention this, but you know, you guys have been repping like the Bradford Young Association. Mm-hmm. He is, he adds so much to this movie. Awesome. I mean, the cinematography in this film is gorgeous. Oh, I mean, if yeah. you thought Last Jedi looked pretty, like this movie is just, just so gorgeous. And these shots, Howard just is so, he's so smart with his shot selection where you could literally pause like dozens of dozens of shots in this movie and be like, I want a poster of this. I want a poster of this. Like mm. when you first see like Chewie emerge and it's like Han is like leaning back, it looks like a Ralph McQuarrie painting. It's, yeah. I would it's say just, they do a really good job misleading you right up until yeah. the moment he stands up. Yeah. That's wild. Which I thought I'm was surprised. smart. Cause I was like, I, yeah. I just, I didn't want it cause he's all muddy and you, yeah. just, you can't tell it's him until he stands up and then he's, just, you know, super irate. They get into this huge fight and then it's very like the, it's like the Fury Road sequence with the chains and Furiosa almost um, or like no, the door. Another, another Mad Max yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. parallel. Well, did you guys, did you, did you have this like in terms of the, the Chewy no, stuff? No, actually or we did, did you... not. Unless you did, Matt. Wow. Uh, no. That's crazy. So that, that, that stuff never got, le- that's, that's pretty awesome then. Like that they kept that under wraps. I mean, they could have done this, this, this meeting 10 billion ways, but I really enjoyed it. I really yeah. liked it. Um, it felt like an iconic sequence that wasn't hearkening back to anything else. It yes. just felt like a new thing that you're like, Ooh, that's a yes. moment to add to the Star Wars canon. Like, right. It cool. wasn't like a play so on one of the other movies. Yeah. I mean, you could liken it to the Rancor thing, but it's really not, except for the fact that they throw him in a pit. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. So ultimately, Chewie's just about to just kill him. Yeah. And he starts speaking <laughs> Chewie's language. Yeah. Wow. And another like, scene where I thought, God, this could have been well, really well, 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 how, Yeah. How, how is that? <laughs> like, does it sound He's good? He starts yowling like like a wookie you, you, and like now here's the thing i thought that he was actually just joking and just trying to like i thought with that too at, at first but then their subtitles yeah come out <laughs> and it's great because it's like i can speak this a little you know it's just yeah. like anybody that like barely has a handle on the language yeah and the, the best part about this though is that it's very brief mm-hmm. he gets his point across to him that this beam's loose and if that they can get out of here and then they drop it. He doesn't ever do it or the rest of the movie. It's not like some stupid bit they keep bringing back. Yeah. It's just like he establishes that, that he, he's a good he, guy. He understands he's not just a monster and he's talking to him. And it's not even like that kind of thing. Like, like, Oh, I know you're, you're, a, you're more than just a beast. No. He, I mean, he was just in there. He was in, he was jailed up. 
And then they get out and then they're together the rest of the movie. I mean, it's, it's really simple. They don't like overblow it. Yeah. The, 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 it's one of my favorite sequences from the film that they, they, they could have gone wrong so bad and, and it just was so good. Like it, that's the thing. There's a few moments in this where I just was like, Oh, like dreading. Yeah. Even like the Sabic scene, you know, and I was just yeah. like, Oh God, like we know how this happened. We know that he gets the shit. Like we don't need to see this. But they 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 make it fun. It's the direction. I mean, it they, really is. Like they, they, uh. they do a good job with it. And like again, if it was just like really shitty dialogue and like parallels to the old movies and saying things that are going to come back in New Hope or whatever, I I would have walked. Yeah. But it's it. They don't do that with the scenes that matter. I guess in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. From there, it's it's the movie just doesn't really stop. It doesn't stop. I mean, it just well, it, doesn't, it hasn't stopped yet. I mean, it's no, I guess it has. It, it just keeps and going. It just, just goes. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a roller coaster, um, as the uh, critics like to say. But um, did you did you want to keep going by with like what you with intel you have? Yeah, or? yeah, sure, sure, like, sure. So as far as I know, what happens next is that they want to steal fuel cells from the uh, Convex train, and uh, the Cloud Riders are also trying to do that. Val sacrifices herself during that scene. Rio also dies. Yes, in her. this is true. Yeah, Rio. Both Rio. Uh, great deaths for both of them. Uh, Val is um, like fighting these like probe droid type things that they're, are around like the bridge. Assassin droids that they're very probe droid reminiscent. Though. Yeah, they're trying to steal this one car that has the fuel, and they're trying to attach wires to it. And in the process, great train robbery. The um, cloud riders come in and try to steal the shipment from them. Yeah. So right they, when they're like on time and on target. Yeah, with so you've got all on. this stuff going on, which is it's a great scene. Yeah. I can't wait for you guys to see this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that it's it's a it's just a really fun. Like, you're just like God. Like this is what I wanted to see. You yeah. Know? So it's at this she, moment though where I'm I am fully not only just fully on board because I mean the Chewie and Han thing has really got me on board there, but it was the. F- it was exactly what you're it's saying. Like, the, it's like, this is exactly what I thought the new Star Wars movies are going to do. Like, you know, they were going to give me that, that kind of joy and excitement that made me want to go out and buy all the action figures and made me want to like reenact these sequences on the playground. Like yeah. it was, it's like, just like, they're, I, they're so different that you add them to the canon. They're like, okay, there's these cloud riders and, and they're in a lot of the movie. <laughs> well, at least it's very Shadows of the Empire. Like, and, like, and like when is. you're in Tatooine, you have to, you know, those speed bike guys. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's a really fun, awesome sequence. The stuff that happens with... Uh, For Rio Durant? He gets hit and he starts kind of like fading a little. And that's when it becomes almost like an Indiana Jones thing where like he, like Indiana Jones with the tank almost. Like he like, he has to like climb up. Like Han realizes like, oh shit, I got to pilot they're this thing. They're trying to disconnect the the trains yeah. just so they can have this one car and they're going to lift it off the yeah, ground so and like, take it. The roles are like, yeah, Han and Chewie have to disconnect the train. Yeah. Chewie goes down and he's got to disconnect this last one by himself yeah. because Han's got to try to climb up onto this the ship, ship which is now crashed and onto now the train. It. And while he's up there, Rio Durant starts fading and he dies. Yeah. And we looked at each other like, what? yeah, wow. <laughs> Cause like they were clearly, they do a good job, like, like creating this character and you think this is going to be the crew, the whole movie. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is the first, this is the first scene with this crew and, and they're pretty well fleshed out in this, this campfire sequence before this, where they're talking about, oh, we should, we should have gotten more people, better people for this job. And they throw out a couple, they throw out a couple names, one of them, and I couldn't hear it. And I like kicking myself for it. I thought they said Bausch or Bosk. 
and I might be completely not, not hearing that right. Well, Jesus, they could have said either, and that would be correct. Holy crap. Yes. Yeah, I want to say I read someone online say that they mentioned Bosk. Okay, then it could have been, it could easily have been Bosk, which is great. But they also mentioned the Zan sisters. Oh! Which, from <laughs> the Empire. Yeah. So... I, I just I sat back. I was just like, "This is great. Yeah, this is great. It's opening up like, the, cause, the, cause the right part well, of the at world." Least it, for at least it, it makes those characters canonical, you know, and, and, yeah. and which is great. Um, whether or not they actually go down that route or explore that or whatever, it's fine. But they they mentioned there was like a ton of crime syndicates, so I'm just like, "Man, this is this is cool." But so back to the train sequence, though. Yeah, so Val is on this bridge, and she's supposed to blow this bridge. But she can't get. But away they can't them. get to her in time because yeah. the the assassin droids are like pinning her down, yeah. and she's just like, uh, and she clearly has like a romance with Beckett too. They established mm-hmm. that yeah. in the scene before, and she's just like, I've got to blow it from here, and he's like, what? And she's like, I've loved every minute together. Blows the fucking bridge up with her on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's so emotional, and, like, and you what? don't even know her that well, but you, it's emotionally impacting. I just feel like it's it's rare in in Star Wars movies if anyone dies, and, yeah. and I know everyone dies in in Rogue One, but that was kind of like the the gag of the movie almost, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not in a bad way. I'd like that, but this was just like, oh, you have these really strong characters, and like, I mean, the Rio Durant character could have been. Gold, yeah. Like, I mean, that's character that was. He's like a rocket, yeah. And then they just like do away with him like immediately. Yeah, boom, like, bye. This isn't about that, you know. And 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 also they kill enough characters you cared about, and you've only been with them for like ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so that was cool. Um, well, it's cool too because it it informs Beckett's character because he's lost his entire crew. They yes. they like all his pals. He's left with this kid that he believes in because that's kind of his they, they well, kind of hint that that's his problems that he puts his trust in the wrong people um mm. like early on and so you realize that like that's also kind of like a weird sort of um you're talking about han or no, no i'm talking about becky because oh, yeah. like uh val like remember she's like basically chastising him for like you, you know you you, you oh because you trust the wrong them to pick up han and no Chewie. no and like you kind of realize that there's a that's a character flaw with him but it's not in a sense because it's actually like there's a goodness to him that he just doesn't well, fully... I'm also glad that they did that. Yeah. Well, he makes him a complicated character. It makes him a complicated character. Yeah. You know, as we move up, move through the movie. I mean, Beckett is key in this movie. I mean, it's as much as his movie as it is with a lot of the other characters in there. Yeah. I mean, he's huge in this. So hmm. they're trying to get away. So now they've got one cable hooked to this car. All the sky, <laughs> yeah. all these sky pirates, the cloud riders have like five cables hooked to this car. They're yeah. both trying to like pull this thing. They're flying in, in, in the air. This Beckett, is where it becomes Beckett like an action Chewie figure are still sort of on thing. the train car. Yeah. And they're going right towards this mountain. And it's once again, it's kind of like another like temple nod. Yeah. So like Han's flying this thing. He realizes they're going to crash this thing with all this hyper fuel on it and it's going to blow. They're, Beckett's they're not insisting. Gonna, Beckett's insisting that they hang on to it, that yeah. the cloud riders will let go and 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 get, like let them get away. Uh, they don't. So Han decides he's going to save them. So Han releases the line but Chewie's yeah. holding it yeah. and Chewie grabs Beckett yeah. they fly off the cloud riders just don't have a good handle on the on the weight of the train car so it, it end up um, it blows up letting it go as well it blows up epic explosion it, so basically so they they, they park they're it off somewhere. and they and they're um hanging Beckett out is hanging out with pissed. Beckett Beckett's mad but now you know he's got these two guys and there's a moment where he could like let them go but Han's like no I want to go with you 
if we're still going to get paid, et cetera. He's like, cause he's like the, you know, the Crimson Dawn doesn't know who you are. Yeah. They'll, they know who I am and now I'm going to go back there and they're probably going to kill me. It's kind of like protecting losing them. this. Yeah. Okay. That's Dryden yeah, Voss's sorry. organization. Yes. Yeah. Which just made me long for the, the black sun and just, I, you know, like, like, but, but, but it, it felt like that. It mm-hmm. felt like that kind of crime syndicate. And I was immediately on board, even down to the symbol. Um, yeah. So he's like, okay, basically like, no, they don't know you. They know me. And Han's like, yeah, but if we go and we do live, will we still get paid? Yeah. You know, he's still trying to get this money to get this ship to get he back wants to, to get Kira. To Kira. Yeah. The, the big surprise then is that, is that he's, he wants to get back to Kira, but Kira is in fact Dryden Voss's main squeeze. Yes. Yes. So so they so they show up um, on the uh, Dryden Voss's like pleasure yacht, which is yeah. like this big fin of a ship, which um, is such a cool sequence. Very cool ship. This is very when you really cool. start feeling like you're getting that kind of Bespin Han vibe, where he's like the way when he's going in, like through the bar. And he's just like, it's just but so is, many iconic poses of him. And you're just like, fucking Christ, this is Han Solo. I love it. Like, and, and, and it just, it feels like a new sort of like hipper, almost modern-esque like nightclub. It doesn't feel like, you know, the, my, my problem with like the cantina from Force Awakens, it was like just a redux of like a new hope for the most part. But this one, it really does feel like a new style of nightclub that we haven't really seen. Me, I mean, honestly, it felt more it, like it a prequel harkened, one a I've, little bit. But a little, it just because it's so clean, yeah. and classy. I mean, I, I would say it, it's even Canto Bite, but it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's, no. it's its own thing. It almost felt a little bit like, oh, we're on Java's like sail barge. Well, yeah, bit. and it has you like know, almost like, like a hip hop vibe there are, to there it. Are, there are there are a lot of aliens in there, but most of them are like pretty much the same. There isn't like a huge giant variety. Well, know? there is like a singer that's hilarious. That, yeah, that is. So pretty, you get you know you get the the wait 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 good hilarious not like Joe Yao's in the special edition. No, no, this no, is no. awesome. Like, it's kind of almost like. It's kind like a little nod to that maybe but like th- you've got you've got this woman and she's singing and she's in the gold metallic everything that's you the trailer, everybody thought yeah. she was like a robot originally and I was yeah like, no 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 she's just wearing this thing but uh, then she's right and then next you to got her. this little guy he's like floating in this fluid jar yeah and starts to sing not even that great no <laughs> you know, like yeah um but again it's like two seconds and then we move on with the story yeah. you know it's yeah. not like a whole song and dance that yeah. in the movie all of a sudden you're like what the fuck is this so matt and i did did detect a leak that really surprised us we heard there was a, a character that was in this film that was highly unexpected like mind-bogglingly unexpected and the word on the street was which we believed we relatively confirmed that darth maul is in this film Yes. And does that happen yeah, here in this scene? No. 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 It is. No. It is much later. Very. I would say it's a, a pinnacle point of the movie. Yeah. It's. It's not like what? some throwaway cameo. Mm-hmm. What? It is a scene that. Well, let's just. Well, since you brought it up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, ultimately, he's like the head of the Crimson. <laughs> Don. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's got mechanical <laughs> legs. He's got the mechanical legs. He's got he He's older. He's much older. And one thing I, I felt like was really pointless. They this is all via like hologram. He's not in yeah. the movie. Yeah, this is this I agree with this. This is but like at one for no reason this, he like grabs his <laughs> double double blade lightsaber, which is like obviously like updated and everything it, 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 still, it still looks badass but he like he like ignites it yeah as he's talking Wait, to someone really and yeah like it, it honestly it, it, that, you don't think about it too though, much because this, he's trying to be threatening but, but in a way matt how much continuity does this violate right now well i mean not any i guess i mean he's alive and unaccounted for you know up through rebels but why I guess it, it violates the continuity of why, because they spent <laughs> an entire comic series 
trying to bring us from him being a powerful third party in the Clone Wars to being basically nothing so that when he shows up in Rebels, he is nothing. He is someone who has been struggling post Revenge of the Sith. Like, you know, he was abandoned by his master. He failed to overthrow the Republic and and the Separatists. Like, he's a broken former Sith. This sounds like he's been doing pretty good behind the scenes for years. But it seems like that actually would play into that arc a little bit more because it seems like he's, you know, granted, yeah, all these people are living kind of fat and everything, but not to the point where like they're so this like far reaching, powerful thing. They're, 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 I mean, they're definitely like a syndicate, you know, like he's definitely existing in the underbelly, you know? So you, it uh, seems we'll, like he we'll has like a sort of it, revenge arc there, almost like. There's nowhere in there that we know that like he's the big bad or that he's necessarily related to this. Yeah. It, you just know that for some reason he has a relationship with this character. Mm-hmm. And I have to believe that it's, he's somewhere high up there on the, I honestly, when this happened, I like, I, I just was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Well, like, the I problem just, with was it like, was this is crazy. I was still, I was, ne- that was never even in my radar. For, no, and I, mean, I didn't well, look at the spoilers. Well, because they talked about the Obi-Wan thing about yeah. right before the movie started, and I hadn't heard there was any kind of thing like that. Here's my thing, because now you've reintroduced Darth Maul into the situation. Yes. Whether or not he pans out in these future solo films or whatever, can we get the Rebellion or whoever the hell to get Obi-Wan, and we can have Obi-Wan pitted against Darth Maul again as like his last movie pre new hope. We'll see the, and the, the, that's what the Darth Maul thing opens up. Like I feel like Darth the Darth Maul inclusion here is very much like a Thanos type thing with, with with Marvel. It is Ray Park and okay. it's, voiced by, it's it's voiced by Sam Witwer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm always happy to see Sam but, but, but the, uh, the, back the, in some capacity. The thing that's interesting about this is that you could literally have a, like an Obi-Wan standalone film now where he, because honestly, Han, Han can't take on Obi- Darth Maul. That's fucking ridiculous. Well, but, but Obi-Wan takes on and, and murders Darth Maul in Rebels. He puts him yeah. out of his misery. It, it already happened. It's done. It's over. Oh, so it's already happened. Then. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And, and, not, and not too much before uh, A New Hope. I mean, it's like a year or two off. It was really well done. Well, I wonder if they would want to put that on well, how, screen then. I guess how how canon is Rebels? Extremely. Yeah. The most canon. So I wonder if they can just do the, the, the on-screen stuff then. Because that seems like, why would you introduce Darth Maul and not one of... I just feel like if they're going to make that... It almost feels like he's like a Thanos presence in this based on how like he he's he's set here. He's like, does he does he finish off with like, I guess I'll just do it myself? Like, <laughs> like, I'm more concerned that this is going to be like Han. He's already taken out a Sith Lord, so why would the Force bother him? You know, ancient religions. You know, and he's already done, you know overcome that with a blaster at his side. Well, that's my thing. Is I, God, I just I don't think that he's ever going to interact with him. I don't either. I don't either. I think if anything, Kira would be the connective tissue between the two movies because if she's working with oh, him, yeah, does she make it out? Of this film? Oh, wow. I guess we haven't yeah, revealed so we that have, either. So we yeah, that. Then... yeah, so we can jump to that too. A okay, bit. so the reason why Darth Maul is introduced here is go for it. Basically, Dryden is killed by Kira, and Han and Kira are talking, and Han's like, We can get this money now. We can go get this ship. We can leave and you know, live this life and like have all these adventures. And she's like, That's great. Yes, yes, yes. Go get Chewie though, because at this point, Beckett, who's, who's a kind of turncoat, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sells them out. 
It's basically Donovan from ba- Last Crusade. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I told you, Han, you shouldn't trust Han, anyone, Han is Dr. one Jones. step ahead of him, which is the best part about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Hans does stay ahead of him, which and, is good. Because it could have just been like Indy, but, yeah. but it, was like, it was like, oh, no, he did. Because he didn't listen. He did, he did he listen, turned, yeah. and he knew <laughs> that this was going to happen. And it's a great, it's a great like little double or triple cross or whatever. And so he goes off to go basically save Chewie because... Well, not save him necessarily, but, but he's with Beckett, and Beckett's yeah. got a gun. So he goes to get Chewie. And as this happens, she kind of takes a little uh, turn. She takes the, this, like, Crimson Dawn ring yeah. off of Dryden and goes to this console, presses it, and then she puts this <laughs> ring in this device and calls up, you know, ultimately Darth Maul. Yeah. Which, honestly, I thought that was going to be Snoke. Like, no, I, like, well, because I, you see a, I really did. You see a guy in a cloak. In a cloak. I mean, that's, that's, that's that sound logic. If he in a cloak, he may be Snoke. I mean, it rhymes. So it, he could be yeah. Snoke. Could be Snoke. <laughs> yeah, and we don't that, get enough Snoke. I like I like that. But I, I guess I was I was looking to see because I could kind of tell you could tell that he had um, the legs, mechanical legs. Yeah, just barely. And but I wasn't. I still wasn't thinking Dark Ball. I was just like, who the fuck could this be? Like because we knew this was going to be a big reveal mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And then he takes the cloak off, and <laughs> it's Maul. I was, just like, I was so glad it wasn't like Vader or some bullshit, it. though. Like, no, no. Oh my god! But it, again, it's 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 a it's a very short sequence. They talk. Kira leaves with the ship, and then Han and Chewie are like left behind. And oh, so since we jumped to the end of the movie, Han confronts Beckett, and Beckett's like talking to him. And God, this could have been so dumb. Really <laughs> this dumb whole scene. And he's like, you know, let me give you one last piece of advice, kid. And then, bam, Han shoots Beckett. Yeah. You just see the blaster, like, hole. Now, at this point, Mike Rothman's head is just going, oh, God, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> don't make a stupid line. I was just like, well, I was going to say, oh, I literally shoot first. Wrote, I literally wrote, it, as, a, as the scene was happening, was on like, my notepad, I wrote, the advice Beckett gives Han, I wrote, always shoot first. Yeah. like I was like waiting for him to say the fucking line and, cr- and to walk out of the movie again. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I liked most of the movie. Because that, that was what was going to get you to walk out, right, but the Matt? Fact, like, the fact it? that in mid-sentence, yeah. mid- <laughs> the mid-sentence yeah. shot on Beckett, all of a sudden, just blaster hole like yeah. hits him. It, it was like, and then Han rushes like, to hold him. And then Han, like the Han, Han rushes heat. over there. Yeah, it is very like <laughs> end of heat. Like they're holding hands like yeah. that. And he says, basically, he's like, you know, you, you did a good kid. Like, uh, I, 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 I would have killed you. Yeah. But they don't say anything about shooting first. No. It's just, it's just he does it's it. And that's enough. That's enough yeah. for the fans. That was enough yeah. for me. I was like, yes. I was yeah. like, you know, because he's not an idiot. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's he's young and brash and crazy. And that's the thing is like, you have room to grow with this character. I, I've been so outspoken about like not wanting these prequels, not mm-hmm. wanting these like let's like go into the and, and spoil the mystery of all these characters. Like I've hated the idea of all that, but you know what? They're gonna do it. So if you're gonna do it, do it right. And I felt like they are on track with this movie more so than I felt with Rogue One. Something that I've been saying since day one with this movie, the important thing to me is. When this movie is over, I should still suspect that when he tells Luke that he's not going to help in the Battle of Yavin, that I believe Han. Yes. That I believe that he's not coming back. It, it, that is the case here. Is yeah. That what yeah. Well, that's well, that's that's what's kind of interesting. So, at the end when like yeah. he, we haven't really discussed about how there is a turn. There's a very interesting kind of twist that happens where you find out that the quote unquote marauders are actually 
almost kind of like a, a tribal version of the rebellion where they're going against, they actually see through the Imperials. They see through all these, these people and they go, well, they're no, not they just d- these marauders out for money. They're yeah. actually trying to, they're trying to get the fuel cells to right. actually power their own sort of rebellion. They mentioned rebellion. My mind, honestly, even though all I could think of was, you know, rebels and the rebellion, I didn't really think of that because they're, they're not like dressed as rebels at all. No. It's just they're seriously like just this ragtag group of people that have been like wronged by like the crime syndicates more so than the empire. I yeah. feel so. It was more about taking down the crime syndicates. This is like what I got. And yeah. maybe if I watch it again, I'll be like, oh no, they're definitely talking about the empire. But I didn't feel like that. Well, it becomes very Temple of Doom because at the end he uh, he it goes is. and he brings them back, back the to fuel this- cells to them. So here's the thing with Han. I know everybody's like, oh, well, and I felt the same way. I was like, you can't have Han be this character and then in A New Hope, he's just like looking out for himself and nobody matters. Right. But what they do a good job with this is that, you know, like Han wasn't like that originally. Like he's really brash and crazy, but like he's like head over heels in love with Kira. That gets fucked for him. I feel like over the course of this movie and, and maybe the next or two more movies, he loses all that. So that by the end we see him as that character. But right now he's still yeah. like kind of happy go lucky, having fun. But it, you know, it's like, it's young Han. It's, he's not jaded yet, you know, necessarily. But the best thing about that though, is like, I didn't want to see him be Han Solo in this movie that we, that we see in a new hope because then you got nowhere to go. And it just keeps expanding the world. It's like what we were discussing before. It's not so black and white. It's like very, and that's one thing I love about Last Jedi. You know, it's like the Benicio del Toro's character. Don't join, but his like it, you know that whole sort of spiel about like you know oh I do you know basically Lords of War thing. Like you know I sell to the Imperials and the Rebels. But and that was kind of you know that that sort of nuance of the warfare is great. That's one thing I do like that's in rogue one. That's in this, that's in, you know, in last Jedi with this, it's, it really does show you how deep that sort of what quote unquote rebellion comes from. And with Han at the end, cause there's a lot of allusions well, to the fact, like even Kira says like, Oh, you're a good guy to him. You know, you're not, you're not like me. You're not you're like anyone else. You are a good guy. These, like back at these people. Exactly. Like you're a good guy. So like he is kind of, there is an arc that's forming here, yeah. you know? But but even at the end, the leader of the Cloud Riders is like, you know, we we could use someone like you. It's it's reminiscent of you know of a new hope. And, yeah, of a new yeah. hope. And he just kind of smirks and is just like, nah, you know, like he didn't yeah. even say it. He just kind of he's like, like, don't hold your breath, kid. Yeah, and he's like, I'm, I'm basically like, he's not going to go. And then he him and Chewie leave. So let's let's go back to Lando, <laughs> since he seems to be a separate entity well, we totally in this about, movie. The one thing we haven't really talked about is the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> It's true, which is owned by Lando Calrissian. That's right. Uh, Lando in this film, less is more. And, and I think that's what's great about this is that the, yeah. the, all the beats, all the things that you get from Lando in this is great. It's, it's, it's ace. You, it's you want right to see money. him. And, and when you do, it's, it's great and it's mm-hmm. enough. Um, again, I wanted more, but I think that's, that's the point. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I, I kind of was glad because if he was in too much of it, I think I would have been. It's like it's like El fudge cookies. If I eat more than but two, he's in it's quite too a much. Bit. He's in quite a bit, and he and he's yeah. in enough. So basically, Lando Lando's on the ship. He leaves, and then, he's pissed off because his whole ship is destroyed. And then the rest of the movie plays out. Sans Lando, he the destroys ship. the ship during the in, castle in run. The castle run, which is a great sequence. Which is, yeah. that's but, a big space monster. Oh, it's it, there's, there's a space multiple. monster in the. There's a space monster that they see. So the, the, it's this huge, like almost like um, well, the, tentacle 
like uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea type that's, of that's monster. The, that's the space monster. Yeah, but then there's this other thing that they point out that's like the gravity hole almost. Like that's yes. the, the main thing that they're worried about. That's the, sucking everything in. Basically the Kessel Run... They're like no one can no one can like run this this length of space in like t- less than twenty parsecs. Yeah, and then they in in doing they're getting sucked into this like black hole thing. Yeah. at one point they basically they use some of the the fuel cells the fuel cells yeah to, uh, that they've been like harboring this like really powerful stuff to like give them the kick that they need. Yeah, and they like they escape or whatever. But the Falcon's great. Uh, it's just so cool seeing it. it's like pristine and yeah. clean and I mean like, all the halls are period. like so yeah, white. It's great. Uh, you, that the flooring um, is shiny. You know, uh, you know, Lando's got a closet full of capes. You know? Yeah, he does. <laughs> just like and they make they make a lot of jokes with the capes. Um, um, they, they, there is this this great sequence where you know when you first see it, and again, Howard is just so good at carving out these portraits that you need to see like Han and she, and you see in the trailer, it's like right in the, in the beginning, like right in the, them in the front, they're looking up. And it, it does, I mean, it is almost like a love affair between Han and the ship. Like, you see him falling in love with it. Like, that's one thing that Alden, like, man, he, like, nails those, like, childlike mannerisms. Just, like, when he's, like, in the backseat when they're just doing their light oh, the speed for the yeah, first time. Drive, yeah. And he's just, like, he's I am beaming. loving this. Like, yeah. you know, this is McDonald's. Um, and, like, I <laughs> just think think that... That and it just matches your own joy when you're watching this because it's so cool. I mean, it's uh, the the maneuvering in the ship is very Empire in the that they have to kind of like fix things because at one point, which one thing I really love is that so and this is a major uh, plot point that's big part of the Kessel Run is that they need to find a sequence to get out of this whatever loophole that they're in that they to to leave the they need the, the, the plot system. a chart they need to plot a chart get out of this like black hole that's like sucking them in and because l337 like you know one of the reasons why lando keeps her around and doesn't wipe her memory because she's kind of she's very political and she she basically starts like a droid uprising at at the it, where they're getting the, the castle mines the spice mines so she she gets really all wrapped up in this revolution and then she gets killed and lando goes and saves uh the head and tries to save her and everything and instead of you know her like lando reviving the droid he uh like han comes up with this idea of like well hey you know we could use her nav systems to put it, put her in the ship See? so she they, they essentially wire l337 into the ship so like when it makes you she's think like, like part of the ship now so it makes yeah. sense in the future movies this is one yeah. thing again where they're paying service without actually right. doing anything your your ship has several uh ais or it what? Has, a, has well it has the most peculiar dialect Three yeah, about L3. And, and that's yeah. oh, I didn't because even think about that. It's, yeah, because it's actually L three. Yeah, amazing. And, and then when, when you think about Lando to the ship, like, yeah. can we hear me, baby? Hold together and all that yeah. stuff. It is also L three. Like, oh, yeah, it, 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 you don't need to know that. You don't need it. But, but now it that you know, so it does. It actually makes that move. Those yeah. movies and those scenes, and when they're talking to the ship. And now I'm just like getting chills. Yeah, I'm just it's like, like it's like, like that's, that's the right that's type of the right kind of thing you need to do with these movies. Is is service the old movies where uh, not do things where you're like oh well that doesn't make sense so I, yeah. they don't have that technology in this movie but like do st- little things like that that make those movies that more, much more powerful for brand new audiences that might yeah. see Solo first like kids that might see yeah. this movie first and then see those movies and they might be like oh they're talking to L three yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. this is cool yeah it's like in Halloween six when they mentioned Doctor <laughs> Wynn and you're like oh my god Doctor Wynn from the yeah, first exactly. one wow he was a cult leader this entire oh time no um, I just know uh, that, that's uh, by the, the way listen. Halloween is in the Consequence Podcast Network. 
Hey, hey, we're doing uh, we're doing one uh, Halloween uh, movie a month, mm. leading up to David Gordon Green and Danny McBride's Halloween. We got uh, Halloween Four coming this month. We got Halloween Four. We're recording it this weekend. Um, anyway, so there's there's a lot. Obviously, there's so much going on in this movie. There's a lot we haven't covered, but I don't know if we'll have time. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So there's there's a does, lot. does this end to be continued? It, it no, end, no. It, it's a, it's a so very finite ending. I, I, but I, it's a it's this could literally be it. Yeah. It's a very new There's hope. No way it's, it's like going a new to be hope. It. A new hope. But I think end. that they were smart because I think that they, I think that they didn't know what they had, mm-hmm. I, and I think that they were like, okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's put a cap on this in case this doesn't do as well as we thought, and then we can just have that be a one-time thing. But they definitely lay the groundwork clearly with all the the Darth stuff. And they they, they, they the hint at stuff. they hint at one sort of movie that they can make uh, at one point um, because when they're doing the spice mines, uh, Lando stays behind with the ship, and he's. Oh, Literally right. journaling with his hologram, and he says, oh, "This is another Calrissian chronicle," uh, and he's talking about one of his past conquests. <laughs> oh, boy. And and you basically, it's just he's you clearly tell that this well, guy has a million stories, and you're like, and you're like, well, okay, they could easily do a Lando movie now. Like, so that's why I kind of yeah. feel like if you do an Obi Wan movie, you do a Lando film, you do a Solo film, they're all around the same era. You could just have them all like connect, kind of like with like the Marvel universe does, but in you know and a little here, bit more finite here, ways. The, the best part of about the movie for me was that instead of constantly putting Han and Chewie in peril, yeah, which is ridiculous because we know they live. There's, yeah. there's no stakes there. Yeah, they brought in all these new characters, made us care about them, and then killed them. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah. great because I didn't know who was going to live and who was going to die, but I genuinely was interested in these new characters, and that was enough for me. Han and Chewie are still the leads of this movie, but like, and Kira as well. I, I was like. Edge of my seat, like, what's going to happen with this character? Is she going to die? Is she going to continue? Like, what's going to happen? Like, if they didn't have, if it was just, if it was just Han, Chewie, and Lando the whole time, it would have been boring as hell, you know? Because yeah. like, it's like you know they live, but the fact that they brought in these characters and they fleshed them out and they made you interested in these other characters, all the other characters, including, I mean, even the villain. Well, I, here's one thing I will say that's different about Han, you know, because this is a Han's movie. And you got to think about the arc. And if you think about this as a finite film, is that you do see him as an idealist. He is very confident. He's very positive. He thinks that there's a future. He's, you know, it's, he says, he literally says, I've got a good feeling about this instead of I got a bad feeling about this, which is, you know, a funny little tongue in cheek, you know, joke. But at the same time, it pretty much encapsulates his character in the movie. Like, there's never really any doubt on his end. Like, you don't, like, you know, when you watch the original movies, like, especially in New Hope, he's so cynical to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, this is going to work, old man. Yeah, this is blah, blah, blah. Like, whereas in this one, he is so gung ho with, like, no, no, we can do this. I got the idea. You know, I got this. Which, but granted, but you again, see that eventually in the movies, but, like, it takes a new hope for him to turn and find that confidence again. So, you know. Which, which is interesting because now it's just like, okay, well, if he's still like this a bit, Mm-hmm. What's going to happen that makes him so jaded? And I think they set up this Kira thing yeah. really good. So yeah. Well, if I might chime in with some expanded universe stuff. Um, oh I've, yeah, go for absolutely. it. I've uh, brought it up on the show before, but in the Han Solo trilogy, not the Brian Daly one, but the AC Crispin one that leads directly into A New Hope. Oh, yeah. He has his love interest Bria that fills a very similar role to the way that you're describing Kira. And uh, Bria was much more of a, instead of like a fellow criminal, she was an idealist. Like she was addicted to spice and she struggled with that throughout her life. But like she ended up joining up with essentially like a cult of rebels. And then eventually like the rebellion full-fledged and was involved in in helping get the Death Star plans kind of loosely and ends up dying off-world away from Han. And Han actually gets that news like, 
shortly before a new hope oh wow and that's what kind of is the final breaking point because he spent all this time arguing with her that she was you know not in a good spot and that she should you know not be doing that and that sort of thing and you know they kind of had conflicting views on on the state of the galaxy etc etc it kind of reminds me of casino royale in a way this particularly the ending like after bond deals with vesper's death and (laughs) yeah m wants to know if like you know he's he's good to go still if he's like mentally there and he's just like the bitch is dead like he just buries that like emotion you know he just puts it behind him and now he's and of course you know quantum solace like as far as like away from the novels kind of you know goes a different direction with it but i i'm curious if they'll do that with kira if over the course of two or three movies you know both of them have their separate responsibilities in life and they keep on coming across each other but then getting pulled apart until eventually it just breaks him emotionally and he becomes very stoic. See, I I would really like that because the further we keep Han away from Darth Maul, the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't mind her like popping up, like if they have, if they're both going after the same thing or something in the next movie or whatever it is, or maybe the next one just focuses on, on, you know, Han and Lando. And then the third one, like they've not said this is a trilogy or anything, but like they, they could do multiple movies of this. So I'm saying do a, but, do a, but, do a uh, solo Lando, <laughs> Obi Wan. But if they do, if they Boom. have that kind of thing, that kind of relationship, then that would make sense. And it, I think it would be really cool if it was a situation where they could even parallel New Hope a little bit, where Han leaves or has a chance to do something where he could help Kira, and then Kira dies, and which drives, which is why he makes the decision to come back and help Luke at the end of New Hope, kind of thing. Something it, again that could like service the movies without you know messing with them too much right it's, it's interesting because those books drew like a very obvious parallel between bria and like the idealism that both like luke and leia have so that like when han gets involved back in it you can see why he's so like oh i can't stand this like you yeah know, or, to the point where like he's very crass to a woman that just watched her home planet with billions of people get blown up <laughs> you know like yeah, yeah that's quickly. actually yeah. a good point <laughs> you know like I, I was watching a new hope like two nights ago and i was just like wow he's really really rude to her and her home planet just blew up <laughs> you know it's, it's always been amusing that you know luke's all sad about this you know old hermit that he just like hung out with for a little while dying while you know she's comforting him after what she just witnessed but you know that's just that's just leia leia does the same thing in last jedi she doesn't mourn han she just moves on but she's just she's she's a fighter you know (laughs) well she she waits she waits until she has the time which i i understand that's kind of actually kind of an admirable trait when you think about it like she's mission is you know there but yeah it's interesting that kira is coming from a different type of thing. And I'm curious to see, I mean, when I was reading those, I was probably middle school, maybe early high school when I read the Han Solo trilogy and they weren't my favorite set of novels, but they were the novels that even when I was in school, I was like, oh, these would be great movies and I want to make these movies. And what's crazy is they they kind of have made these movies now, or at least one of them. And uh, I think it's going to work really well if they keep using Kira to drive Han toward the Han and A New Hope. At least that's the way it sounds. They're absolutely going to do that. Again, when we were before this movie, I thought she was probably maybe going to be a weak link. I was just looking for problems and I ended up really liking her character and I really liked what they did. I think that that'll they'll definitely go that route. I mean, you kind of have to because he's so not interested in Leia in the, yeah. at the beginning, you know? No. So like, to, I think to have, have him lose someone that he really cares about is pinnacle. So I, I, I have no doubt she gets 
gets the axe at some point. There, there you have it. We haven't. We've not only spoiled the entirety of Solo, but we've also spoiled future films for Solo. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. you heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love it if they managed to pull from like the original ones from the seventies too, like the Hansel Adventures. Because I mean, it really. I mean, I read those as a kid, and this does feel in line with that. You know, like it's very pulpy fun at times. You know, but Mike, you're saying future films. You don't want it to be necessarily a trilogy of solo. You just want the no, next one to I, be a Lando standalone. I think con- you can make a conceptual trilogy with all the characters involved somehow. With if you go into like you do, a, especially if you make a Lando movie, and you just have a Lando centric film with Hans with Han there. You know, the two of them work together, but it's a Lando centric film. It's a Lando driven movie. Yeah, and then the next one, and then with Obi Wan. Obi Wan is pulled uh, in to, to finally take down Darth Maul, so you have like almost but, like a spiritual anthology trilogy. Then you have but to, I don't want Han and him the cross. I'm talking that's about what I'm saying. you know, yeah, you'd have to abandon. So you at that that third one, you wouldn't you would hear about events that are happening that you know correspond to that. I just I just think the idea of having like Solo two, a Star Wars story, and or another Star Wars story, <laughs> like just, or like it just seems. It seems like even the way they title it now, it's going to be odd, you know, unless they did like Solo 2, Solo 3 or something like that. But you right. know, I, I just think that if you want to make it where it's varied and you could still tell these stories, just make Lando the center of it. And because they can't take down Darth Maul and he's a, obviously a presence in these films, he's going to be like the I menace. Oh, a, a phantom menace? A phantom menace. Yeah. I don't see that happening. I, I you hope, don't see happening. What? I, hope not. I I feel like that character was completely Her. resolved. So as it as as its own film as a standalone Star Wars film, which these standalone movies are, probably will never be. I mean, if this is literally it and we don't get another solo film, it'll blow my mind. I know. But uh, that's what these movies were supposed to be originally. Just well, just and, one-offs, and that's it. And that's and that's something I wanted to bring up also on here is that you know because there's talk of people wanting like a Rogue Squadron movie and like everyone's campaigning for like Sebastian Stan because he looks like Luke and every you know right, he looks right. like Mark Hamill and everything. And honestly, at this point, I'm for it. Like if this means that we can get more adventures with some of the older characters and they're like stories that we haven't that that could well, be interesting and told. Then go for it. I mean, obviously, with this is this what this movie proves to me is that they aren't just beholden to the old actors. I mean, if you can really pull it off, like, and you get an actor that can just, that finds the mannerisms and is able to evolve it in their own way. And it's, it's just really great stories that are different ways to tell the stories, the Star Wars universe. I'm, I'm game for it. Like, and I, I was really against it for a while. You I mean, go look s- at, you just want to see shadows of the empire. Come I want to see a shadow <laughs> of the empire. I want you to bring back Sebastian. I want yeah, to bring, bring back Alden, bring back uh, Donald Glover, uh, get somebody. They're going to have to find someone for, uh, for Leia at this point. Get Tom but, Hardy as uh, a, as Dash Rendar. Oh my God. Don't even fool. Oh, that'd be great. But like, well, you know. there, would, there would be, there would be no Alden in shadows of the empire movie. That's oh, right. that's true. That's right. But he'd be a presence. That's right. But, yeah, we've talked about it on the show. I mean, I have put that out there that if this movie succeeds on a recasting basis, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alden reprise the role post A New Hope. Yeah. With a new Luke, with a new Leia. And before Rogue One came out and I was surprised to see that they actually killed off those characters, I actually thought we would see Alden and Jin team up, that they would need him for some sort of post-Yavin mission. Yeah. Like, he needs to smuggle them in and, you know, it'd be some sort of like James Bond franchise with like Jen or so. Well, hey, hey, qu- quick question. So Cassie Nandor, is he in this film? No. God damn it. No, no. <laughs> I got to tell you, though, I was just really impressed that they didn't shoehorn in a bunch of garbage. <laughs> there, are, there are some there are some characters that come back, though. So Warwick Davis is apparently reprising his role as a weasel. What? That was that was that was on that's listed here on Wikipedia. It says that he reprises role from the film Phantom Menace as Weasel. We see oh, that character for like oh, the, no, the, the guy, guy the pod his, races? Pod racing? 
his like character the, in the crowd. No, his character at Phantom Menace was named Thorn Drumheller after his character in the Willow novels. Like when Willow changes his name. I mean, that's his character and from. He's, he's running with the Cloud Riders. Now? I guess so. Now, yeah. I mean, which would make sense. You know, I mean, he's older. Huh. Uh, he's got like one line of dialogue, but you know, it's yeah. always good. Oh, it's a small. Oh, Thorn Drumheller, also known as Willow Ufgood or Weasel. That's that's weird. Um, <laughs> is this apparently, a, apparently, is this an episode of Willow Watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should be, but uh, no. Um, cross- hey, Ron Howard's back. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to see them reteaming, right? Yeah. So if that's, I mean, it's interesting that they just th- th- this movie clearly is leaning backwards as opposed to forwards. Yeah. In a way. So that's, that's cool. Mac and Mike, thank you so much for uh, for spilling yes, the thank beans. You. We really oh, no. thank, uh, thank you for having us. I mean, your yeah, impending no execution as Bothan spies is is a true loss to the community. But um, you know, I know a guy. He's wanted on uh, several systems, but he will reshape your face. It'll be grotesque, but no one will ever recognize you ever again. So maybe <laughs> my, my pal Doctor Everson can uh, could help you out with that. We'll get your number. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the codes. And hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode of State of the Empire. We're gonna be back with a ton of Willow stuff. You're gonna hear our firsthand impressions of the film uh, next week, as soon as we can put out an episode. We'll see you next time, and may the force be with you. State of the Empire is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequencesound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida at Nerdy Show Studios, home of the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. Discover more at nerdyshow.com. Our theme song, Maximum Rebo, was written and performed by Zantilla. Find more awesome tracks at zantilla.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to our Bothan pals in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group, the Nerdy Show Network Patreon backers, and to legendary Ewok X-Wing ace Ketch for being a major wedge in Warlord Zinja's plans to overthrow the New Republic and for striking fear into the hearts of so many TIE pilots with his trademark battle cry, Yub Yub. Consequence Podcast Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.